Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Coco Disaster. I'm Chorpsoy. And I'm Jordan. And it's time for the most prestigious anime awards podcast award show, maybe of all time. The world is awaiting. It's the Coco Disaster Anime of the Year Awards show. Yes. We watched a lot of anime last year, and we thought about it, and we've come to some conclusions. Like what? About which ones are good. Oh, okay. Which ones are bad. Mm-hmm. And maybe some other uh, metrics that we chose, too. Which ones are okay? The okayest anime yeah. of 2016. <laughs> oh, shoot. Let's write that in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. But, um, yeah, that's what we're here to do. We're here to tell you about all of our favorite anime and anime-adjacent things of this year. All right. So first up, we have our official unofficial awards... Or the things that uh, we would like to give, like, shout-outs to in anime, but we are not uh, well-equipped enough to give a real good, like, say on it. You know, things mm-hmm. that we could easily forget, like casts or soundtracks. Yeah. Or other things like that. Mm-hmm. So let's start off, like, let's talk about some of our favorite soundtracks of the year. All right. I think first up, uh, we talked about this before with the show, but uh, Cheer Boys... Despite being a very, like, mediocre show, <laughs> it's, yes. uh, it, it definitely had, like, a really good soundtrack. Yeah, I really like the, it's, that was probably the most standout element of Cheer Boys was the soundtrack. Yeah, it's got a lot of good, like, sort of jock jams going on. Like, it's got this real pump-up attitude to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a real solid sound to it that, like, is kind of heavy electronics, but also has all kinds of other stuff going on in between. If the composers of Cheer Boys were to do the soundtrack for Space Jam 2, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> they could probably do a pretty good job with that. Yeah. They could probably do the follow-up to Quad City DJs. Well, I was thinking more, uh, I don't know who, who made it, but the Y'all Ready for This song. Oh yes, the quintessential jock jam. Yeah, Absolutely. The Ur-Jock Jam. Um, did you have any soundtracks you wanted to talk about? Well, when, I, when, I, when I'm thinking good or memorable music in anime of 2016, the first thing that comes to mind for me is All Out, and it's sweet rock and roll hard jam. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the only song from that show I remember, but it's good. The super ACDC ass, like... Yeah. Song going on, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's got a couple tracks on there that are, like, very reminiscent of other, like, ACDC songs. I think there's a Thunderstruck in there. There's a Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap in there. hmm Like, it's just got a super heavy rock soundtrack. Yeah, and it's appropriate. Um, a couple soundtracks I want to give out are to the Mecha shows that I watched this year. Oh, yeah. First, Macross Delta for doing a lot of very different, um sort of idol type songs mm-hmm. like i don't remember a lot about the background music itself but the the insert songs and stuff all have these different styles to it which is really interesting and sort of plays a lot with different like mixes of electronica and natural instruments like horns and stuff that's really cool and also uh, sometimes is like thematically appropriate to what's going on in the show 
Mm-hmm. Like the several insert songs about hacking, which <laughs> happened during hacking sequences. Well, I'd hope. Well, it's hacking. It's hacking via like a, a hackneyed sort of like metaphor for you know love, but it works. It works, and it's good. Okay. And then uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt for being uh, maybe one of the few uh, anime or maybe franchises ever to use free jazz as its like main threshold for its soundtrack. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's free jazz and it's doo-wop. Oh. And it's supposed to be like the like a, a difference between the two armies is experienced through these types of music. And so it's like kind of low-key sort of sniper versus this high-action sort of, like, run-and-gun dude. And All I right. think that, that that part works really well in it. That's cool. Haikyuu Season 2 had a really good soundtrack as well. Yeah, it definitely had a really good, like, pump-up OP, for mm-hmm. sure. And it, it doesn't always add a bunch of new music to its soundtrack th- between seasons, but it definitely has a good one. Yeah. I don't know, but I definitely remember more songs from season two than I do from season one. There was a lot of good funky training jams in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Other uh, unofficial awards we have are cast. Just, like, the groups of characters that really work well together and help elevate a story in its own way. All right. I'm thinking My Hero Academia. Yeah, I was thinking that one, too. Um, I think Yeah, My Hero Academia does a good job of not only having very, like, different characters mm-hmm. that like they're all distinct and they're all interesting in their own way they all have these different motivations for wanting to be a hero yeah like not all of them are the most like noble or anything but you still get a feel for who they are mm-hmm. and i think that does really good they play off each other really well with these different like foils and stuff yeah and i think they do a good job of making a lot of like a lot of characters different and interesting and that's pretty impressive yeah, it does a good job of taking a big, big cast. Yeah, exactly. And turn and making them all feel memorable in their own different way. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just based on their different types of powers, those end up playing into sort of their personalities. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Plus, Deku is just like a, a, a darling boy. Yeah, I'm a little sweetheart. Yeah, he, he deserves the world. Mm-hmm. Uh... This, you know, this is a little cheating, but Lupin the Third continues to have, like, a really strong core cast. Uh-huh. That all are, like, very, again, very distinct, but also, like, work together really well when it comes to the heist stuff, because they all have their different specialties and stuff. And Lupin is, like, sort of a scumbag, but he's got, like, you know, he's got a good heart when it comes down to, like, very, these very human interactions. That's a lot of fun to watch. Because he yeah. does have, you get the sense that he does have his own sense of morals, like he, he has an idea of what's right and wrong, but maybe it just doesn't, like, fit the traditional sense of it. Right. And I think they're just, like, they're they're cool because they're, like, competent, but they're also, like, huge dorks. Like, they constantly get into fights and have all these other issues that they run into. Like, Lupin being so desperate for sex in Italy that he, like drives a dog from the middle of the country to a port just th- for the chance that he might be able to have sex with the person who <laughs> has the dog. Like, there's this, there's just this beautiful sense of, like, they are competent, but they are also, like, very dumb. Yeah. Except for Goemon. He's pretty smart. Yeah, Goemon's smart, and he's probably the most competent out of all of them. Yeah. 
The only trouble he gets into is because he's a real assassin. <laughs> uh, the Final Fantasy fifteen anime. Oh, the Brotherhood. Yeah, by virtue of being attached to Final Fantasy fifteen, had a really good cast, I think. Yeah, and I think in I'm like super into the whole like multimedia thing that they're doing, uh-huh. and I know a lot of people aren't. Yeah, but like I think that uh, Brotherhood does a good job of like humanizing all of those characters in a way that, like, if it were in the middle of a game would be, like, pretty bad. Yeah. Absolutely. Just the way it does, like, huge, you know, it's it's basically like one huge cutscene that's just, like, backstory about why they interact with Noctis. But I think that it's got some really good stuff to it. Yeah. I thought it did a really good job of, like, I don't know, adding a little bit of humanity to, to the characters, which even in the game I think are fine, but... I don't know. It's just that little bit extra that's really nice. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's a lot. Because it even gets into you know like stuff that like anime doesn't usually talk about, which is like uh, with um, Prompto's backstory. Yeah, where he starts out as kind of overweight and antisocial and uncomfortable, and kind of betters himself uh, for not only his own uh, you know his own benefit, but because he wants to become a better person. Yeah. Or, you know, what he considers a better person. I think that I think that's really good. And then so are the other stories as well. Yeah, that's, that was definitely my favorite story, I think. Either that or mm. um, Noctis learning to take care of business with Ignis. Those were my two favorite episodes, yeah, I think. Yeah, that was good too. And I think, I think just like there are good like moments that give you like a real insight onto the characters that like don't even have to do with their backstories or really anything else. Like, um the the scene from the first episode where not while uh what is it while ignis is speaking to the other group people in the team noctis is just like taking the vegetables off of his hamburger and putting them <laughs> on ignis's and even as ignis looks over and like is like hey stop that he continues anyways <laughs> and puts the other tomato on and i think like that's a real good sense of like a camaraderie going on that's visual storytelling yeah uh, then in the last unofficial award, we have properties we'd rather not exist. <laughs> this is distinct from worst anime because in a lot of these cases we have not watched these at all, just because we find that subject matter like, you know, bad or reprehensible in some way. Mm-hmm. See the thing about this category is that I I'm not really thinking of all the stuff that I consider morally reprehensible because. All that stuff bleeds together for me, and after the season is done, I can't really think about it anymore. Mm. Uh, to me, the stuff that <clears throat> that comes to mind is Honda Kun, which is such a bizarre selling out <laughs> of a really good intellectual <laughs> property. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, man, why yeah. why'd you have to do this to Barakamon? It's such a shame. Yeah, I guess that's a different angle to take it from because, like. It doesn't always have to be stuff, like, really deplorable, like, uh, super lovers or whatever. It could just be stuff that misses the mark so much that we don't even know really what the idea was behind it. Yeah. Or PSO2 Online. Wait, that is already online. PSO2 The Animation, you know, which is just like... Which is just like the biggest bizarre Orwell nightmare of a marketing trap i don't know it's, it's terrible. literally just people playing fantasy star online and going wow this rules <laughs> and having a great time but also it's like garbage yeah 
Because it doesn't even get into the parts of the game that, like, people think are fun. It's just like, oh man, I sure did love doing this thing in the game. Uh-huh. Like, it's it's very robotic in the way that it's, like, a sellout. It's it's amazing in that way, but also terrible. Yeah, it's so, like, corporate and gross, but not in... Like, it's really obvious, but it's not right there on the surface. It's like, it ha- it has a surface of gleamy anime prettiness, but you can see the cracks of gray coming through. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. I'm trying to think if there were any other big... Like, the... And I think in... This is not a thing I don't want to exist, but as a counterpoint to the PS- uh, PSO2 thing... Mm-hmm. There's that uh, Hagane Orchestra anime, which just came out, which is like a short series about a mobile game. And they really play into the fact that it's a an advertisement. Okay. By just making the show about getting people to play the game. Like, they literally <laughs> talk about in the anime, how are we going to get people to do this? And, like, coming up with gimmicks and stuff in the episode. That's pretty good. So I think... If you're going to do advertisement, you have to go whole hog in some direction. Yeah. And PSO2 seems like it's the sort of thing where it's like, it's halfway there, but then stops and forgets to be, like, interesting. Yeah. It's just like, what would that be? Like a, it's, it's like a four or five hour commercial that's just people going at a computer and going, wow, cool. Wow. And that's where, you know, that's, that's the real issue there. And I think that's everything for the unofficial official awards. So next up are our official awards. These are the ones where each of us have come up with a top five list as well as a winner. And each of us will go over our individual uh, nominees before going into what we think wins. Yes. So to start off, we're going to do the best OP of 2016, best opening song for whatever reason, whether it's like just a really good song, whether it works with the the series in general, or what have you. Yeah. So you start this off, Jordan. Okay. Well, before I start off, I want to quickly say that we don't have a top five. We just have five nominees. Yeah, I guess we have a top five unlisted and a number one. Yes. And I took very good care to make sure that... Uh, it's not obvious every single time which one is my winner, just from the order that they're in. Right, I also did that. Okay, good. Uh, Alright, starting off with best OP. Uh, first up on the list we have the erased OP, which is uh, Riri or Response Response by Asian Kung Fu Generation. Uh-huh. Uh, this is, I think, it's just a really good song to begin with. Like, it's just a, a nice punk rock, J-rock jam. Yeah. But I especially like it uh, for the animation, and especially because, I don't know, I don't remember what episode it was, maybe it was episode 10 or 11, but there's one episode where they cut Satoru out of the OP entirely, like both his old and his young version. I think that's the one where he's like, he he had just finished drowning in that lake, like, uh, right before the time skip. Right. Yeah, it does a really good job of changing, and I think it's like, the motifs work well with it, like the whole, like, kind of, like, film, uh aesthetic that's going on yeah like kind of burning him out of the picture and also here i have a question for you when they show the lineup of the three women at the end right Mm -hmm. during the last couple of frames it briefly flashes up the villain in the background and it's really clearly the teacher spoilers by the way was that (laughs) all right was that there from the beginning of the show (laughs) 
I don't know. That's a really good question because I didn't notice that. Yeah, because I, I saw that when I was looking at it on YouTube. And I was like, they can't have put that there the whole time, right? That has to have happened after the reveal. I hope so because that would be very strange otherwise. Uh, but also, uh, what I like especially about the one where they cut Satoru out of the opening is that it's clear that... Or that makes it clear that he doesn't actually interact with anyone in the OP. Like, even his kid self is there with all his friends, but he doesn't, like, no one looks at him ever. Yeah, he's just sort of there. Yeah, and I thought that was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the way it just sort of, like, jumps into the, into the chorus with very little build-up. Like, it almost catches you by surprise. That's neat. Like, even the visuals help with that, because they show the flood right before it goes into Oh, that the... big flood coming in, yeah. Yeah, and it would seem like maybe there'd be another shot of him, like, of the flood, like, sweeping him away along with the pre-chorus or something like that. But there's nothing like that. It just slams into the chorus. Mm. And then it's him getting caught in the film drone, and it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really uh, evocative op for sure yeah is this one on your list as well or yes okay did you mention that uh no okay. but i can now okay, so i I'll guess we should say if it's also on one of our other lists when we're going through we'll say so yeah uh next up i have dimension w with genesis by stereo dive foundation that's also on my list all right so i remember i don't remember when exactly but at some point i mentioned that this song was really similar to the gangsta opening renegade by the same artist yes. and i said that genesis was worse than renegade mm -hmm. and after having both songs on my running playlist for nearly a year at this point i can say safely that i've changed my mind and genesis is actually way better than renegade it's more pump-up, it has the better chorus, it has the cooler sample, and it has the cooler lyrics. The breakdown, I think, is better, too. Yes, absolutely. Like, the breakdown in Genesis still has this, like, real sense of action to it. You know, you still feel pumped up. Mm -hmm. And with Gangsta, it's it's a real, like, cool-down, which also works. Yeah. But the, with Dimension W and what it's what that show is trying to sell... I think it works a lot better because even during the breakdown, there's like that sick uh, highway chase going on. Yeah, that's really good. The only bad thing about this OP is that at the very end of the visuals, they show the main character's face uh, embedded in a W. But the last sound of the opening is Y. And that's messed up. That's wrong. Uh, and I like the part where he dances right as the beat breaks down. We've mentioned that before. That's great. Yeah, Look, it's it is a standout moment because he's such a no nonsense character in the show. But for the opening, they've just got this part where he does <laughs> a sweet he does like a sweet a sweet street dance to this yeah to this like uh, this build up. And then he picks up the camera at the end. Yeah, he's he's got that thing where he puts his hand on the lens. Oh, it's 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 really good. And even outside of that, I think the action that's going on is really good. Yeah. Again, like, Dimension W sells itself super strong with its OP. Definitely. Number three is Haikyuu Season 2, and it's Fly High by the Burnout Syndromes. This is also on my list. Oh my god. Chorks were so in sync. <laughs> um, we have the same list! And <laughs> sync not appearing on this list, by the way. They didn't do an anime opening for a change. Uh, <laughs> so, it was really hard for me to pick between this and uh hikari are from season three right 
Because we don't want to, we don't want to just fill this list with IQ. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and I knew like one of the two wasn't going to make it, and in the end, this one did, which I think is more based on the strength of the visuals, because for mm-hmm. Hikari Are, it's a lot of the characters just like standing around, slamming that ball uh, on a, what is mostly like a black court without even any opponents on there. And, you know, with mm-hmm. Fly High, they're, like, actually playing a match and it pumps you up. And I think, like, they're both really good pump-up songs. Yeah. And if we were talking the full version, then I think Hikari Are would have won because Fly High has a really bad, like, lame guitar solo. And Hikari Are has a really good combined tapping and sweep-picking guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not. We're talking about just the, the, the OP, the TV-length version. And in that sense, Fly High is the better one, I think. And there is something to using the same band twice for the opening, where, like, the first one definitely feels more memorable. Especially because, like, the f- the other openings for Haikyuu were never quite like Burnout Syndromes. Burnout Syndromes has this really, like, not gritty, but very, like, unproduced, in a way, sound. Yeah. Like, it feels kind of raw. Yeah. In a way that the other songs that Haikyuu uses don't. Yeah, Spire was definitely more of a pop rock band than Burnout Syndromes is, which is closer to indie, I think. So I think that worked out a lot better for it, too, because it just makes you, it makes everything feel more intense. Mm -hmm. And then number four, this is sort of the the weird surprise pick, maybe. It's, uh, oh my god, here I go pronouncing this. Fuantaina Kamisama by Suara from Utuari Rumono, The False Faces. Okay, this is okay. I guess we don't have the same list. Okay. <laughs> well, I know I know for a fact <laughs> my last one isn't on your list either because you openly talked smack about it on the show. Did I? Yeah, but first we got to oh, talk man. about this one. Um, right. So I talked about how I kind of like this when we were talking about this show. And after re listening for it during our big OP and ED marathon, uh, I realized that this is actually just a super good jam, and it's a really good and varied one, too. Like, it's structured sort of like an EDM, uh, like, J-pop, J-electro song, but it has, like, jazz or funk drumming. It has, like, Central Asian or South Asian strings for a lot of it. It has a overture breakdown. It has, like, for the, in the final pre-chorus, it has just East Asian strings. It's really good. It's really varied. It's just a really good song. I don't know about the visuals, though. I don't even remember what this OP looks like. But the song. Yeah. So I, I guess that alone just tells you enough. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it, it, that sounds really cool. Like, I, you definitely don't get a lot of, you know, string-oriented OPs in anime. Like, a lot of them are these very, like, licensed-out J-rock, J-pop sort of things. Yeah. It actually reminds me a little bit of, like, old 80, 80s anime openings, back when that still had, like, its own style. Instead of just being mm-hmm. pop and rock songs, like it's, it, there's a sense of a little, it's a little theatrical, I guess, and that's fun. Okay. And all the cool character designs are on display, so that's nice. And then the final one, it's from 91 Days, it's Signal by TK. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't talk smack about it. Well. You're, you're really overstating how much I was like, eh, about it. You said you didn't like the song. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you, you talk about why you like it. This isn't for me. This is for I like you. it. I'm just like, art rock really does it for me. And it's very rare okay. for art rock to make it into an anime OP. Um, and I think it's cool they did it for this one. I think it's very appropriate for this show, too. Uh, and I think uh, TK's vocals just 
I don't know. They 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 bring something out in me. It's a great it's a great song. I mean, yeah, I, I do get where it fits in thematically with everything. It does it does fit the genre of the show very well. Mm-hmm. So that's my list. What about yours? Okay, well, I've got High Q, Dimension W, and Erased also on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the two that haven't already been stated, I have the Kiz Naver OP, uh, yes. Lay Your Hands on Me by the Boom Boom Satellites. Uh-huh. First of all, good name. Yes. But um, also, the Boom Boom Satellites are like a like a pretty strong rock, uh, or were, sorry, were a pretty strong rock group. And Lay Your Hands on Me is so not that, yeah. that it's sort of fascinating as a thing. Like, I think it's their, it was their last single. And Lay Your Hands on Me is this very, like, sort of, like, wall of sound, sort of almost, um, almost, like, ambient in some ways. Yeah. Sort of, like, electronica thing that's really cool. And also the the melody is extremely Take On Me by Aha, yeah, which is, is fun. But also, like, the, the visuals for Kisnaver as an opening are, like, it's... It is very unique in a lot of ways, very the kaleidoscopic effects yeah. and the way that it overlays the characters on what is effectively just a kaleidoscope of, yeah, of different shapes and colors. And I think it's sort of fascinating in that way because you don't see as many like abstract OPs, like all of them play into the show in some way. And that really just doesn't. Yeah. But it's very effective. I think it, it it's very effective as an OP. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good one. And then last up is uh, the OP from Flying Witch, which is Shanran Ran by Niwa, featuring 96 Nico. And I I was like trying to figure out which um, slice of life nonsense OP I was going to put in the uh, <laughs> in here because it was it ultimately came between this and um, the one from Sweetness and Lightning. Okay. And I ended up on this one. Not only because uh, I re- I really like the the song. I think the the sort of like electronic and like sort of banjo um, <laughs> combination is like really charming in a way because it still feels like sort of country. Yeah, you know, because they're because they're in you know the boonies or whatever, and but still like feeling like upbeat and fun and like fitting into sort of the the wonder of the magic of flying witch. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm a real sucker for when the characters in the OP interact with the song in some way. And it not only has a bit where, like, characters sing along to it, but also has moments where, like, they're doing a dance to it and they're clapping along with the the snare beat during the chorus. And I think that that's just, like, a lot of fun and very charming. Yeah. And it doesn't just focus on, like, the human characters and stuff. It also brings in, like, what was it, like, the Arbiter of fall and stuff and like he's just there doing a sick dance and it's like oh cool (laughs) like there's just there are a lot of fun moments to it and i think that was like one of the first things that like really grabbed me about flying witch was its opening so that's why i put it on all right so let's let's go since you went first let's also say your best op of 2016 first all right my for me the best op of 2016 was signal by tk from 91 days all right. And I think even besides the song being really good and just the visuals being uh, pretty good overall, I think one of the main things I love about it about it is how much it like just the degrees of misdirection that were in this OP that really helped uh, like push the show over the edge a little bit. 
I feel like the last 20 years of long-running shonen anime have conditioned us to think that the OP spoils what's gonna happen in the show. Like, you watch the OP from One Piece, you see all the characters fight, you know who's gonna fight who in the next season, right? And you know who the villains are and the new characters, and you see all of them ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. And then, with this OP, they do a couple things, like, they imply that the final confrontation is gonna be Bruno and the other guy in a room, like, having a big talk. They're mad. Bruno probably killed the entire- the guy's entire family, and they're gonna have a shootout. Yeah, there's like a- there's like a standoff sort of thing going on. Yeah. And in the end, that's, like, until it becomes absolutely clear that that's not how it's gonna go in the show itself, it could still be like that. And then when in the end it turns out that they're both just kind of broken down and tired and the final episode is them together just talking about how it all went down, that's great. And I think that part of the show wouldn't have been what it was without the OP implying that it was gonna be something else. Right, something much bigger and grandiose is like a final showdown. And it just turns out that, like, they take a road trip. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that, I don't remember what his name is, but uh, Bruno's friend, the blue-haired guy who was making the booze. Um, mm. Cordio? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is also, during the OP, he is in the room with them when the confrontation goes down, which implies that he's going to make it all the way to the end. And he doesn't. In fact, he gets killed off super suddenly and unceremoniously. So I think it's, like, great that they used to, the OP to imply that this guy's existence is sacrosanct, and then he just disappears halfway into the show out of nowhere. And that's great, and that's part of why I think this OP is the best one of the year. Okay. So what about yours? My best OP of 2016 is uh, Dimension W, Genesis Stereo Dive Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I put this because, while I don't think the show lived up to it, that OP really really sells the show strong yeah it you know it's it's all about sort of this fantastic action you know he's swinging around he's shooting his like you know knives or whatever that he has that he uh swings around on he's having car chases the robot girl's there like it gives this very (laughs) sense of like a a much bigger action show than it ended up being yeah but that op really pumps you up and for like the two or three episodes where it sticks to that sort of formula, mm-hmm. I think that's super good because it gets you like really excited for what's going to happen next because there's like all this, I you know, all these ideas of very like low key sort of like missions that he has to deal with and the way that he handles them is like nuts. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it just, it just does a really good job of, of selling that premise that the show definitely didn't live up to. But I remember every time I went back to it, even when I wasn't really liking Dimension W, that that OP was still like, oh yeah, this is this is what this show could be. It could be so cool. Yeah, I never skipped it. The OP, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think back when we were of the opinion that the Kekai Sensen OP didn't fit the show, because at that point the show was still all action, this is the kind of OP we were talking about, like what it should have had. Yeah, I yeah, I think I think maybe a little different, but definitely something a little more like this that yeah. that sells that that bit harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so those are our best OPs of 2016. Well, they're not ours. Other people made them. Well, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> our picks for the best OP Thank of you. 2016. 
The best OP is for our anime, which is coming out this year. <laughs> They're all going to be in it. We've sold the rights. Look, we're poor. We're poor. We can, we don't have the budget to make a full TV size anime. That's why it's ten minutes of OPs, and then that's right. And just TQ animation on top of it, <laughs> right? Or you get the guys at Studio Bouncy to uh, to rig us up to whatever their their motion capture devices are, and we just do that. Oh no! And then it ends with ten minutes of the best EDs of twenty sixteen. Yeah, let's talk about the best EDs of twenty sixteen. Alright. I guess since you went first this time, I'll go first. Sounds good. Alright. So first up is More Dimension W. Oh, wow. With uh, its Contrast by Foxtails. Yes, this one's on my list too. And one big thing about an ED is that by that point it's sort of the wind down. They're not going to put a lot of like big visuals into it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's definitely supposed to be sort of like an, an afterthought in some ways. Yeah. But contrast not only helps to keep the blood flowing by being sort of like this this harder rock song, it also, like, it feels like a capstone to the, to the show. Okay. Like, this song just feels like the way a show would end. Yeah. It's just with this song. Um, and it does a really good job of, like, starting the, like, um... The guitar break before uh, before the, the the show actually ends and the ED starts. Mm-hmm. So there's like this build up right at the very end, where at the last point they you know like basically sum up the uh, the the meaning of the show, where they have some big breakthrough, and then right as it does, like huge guitar hit, um, and it goes into this song, and I think it just it works really well in that way. It feels like a good capstone to an episode yeah i put this on here even though i think the song itself is kind of trash i put it on here solely on the strength of that first bar of delayed guitar that just yeah that that guitar break is super good and definitely is like a good start to to like that whole ending because it does just have like this good build up to it yeah because i think the best eds are ones that keep the feeling of the end of the episode alive and when everyone's standing around and it's like, they succeeded, but at what cost or in the big grand scale, is it even worth anything? And then the the delayed guitar comes in, it's perfect every time and it gets me and I love it. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Uh, next up, in a similar fashion, is the My Hero Academia ED, uh, Heroes by Brian the Sun. Mm-hmm. I have my, this one on here too. So, with My Hero Academia, like... I think it's it's ED is the strongest of its OP or ED because um and I almost feel like they should have been switched in some ways. I can at see least that. song wise. Yeah. Because I think this one's a lot more of a pump up song and like it's it's sort of about, you know, being the hero and stuff, and all the visuals focus on Deku and his sort of like his movement forward. Like the whole thing is basically him running off into the distance as like the the uh the night turns to day and stuff and you see all these other clips in between of like him working on his his superhero suit and like him as a kid getting really excited about heroes like it feels i mean my hero academia is deku's story even if the other characters are all strong and have their own motivations it's about deku growing and this this ed gives a good idea of like at the end of every episode at the end of every conflict He's continuing to run forward and push himself in order to become better. Yeah. 
And I think it does a really good job of that, especially with, like, the very ending where it shows even, like, young him crying because he doesn't have powers to new him crying as he, like, realizes his perceived uselessness. Mm -hmm. And there's just a... It's really it's really evocative of a lot of the the themes of the show, I think, in how it handles like Decker's development. Yeah. I think it's a really appropriate ED, at least or appropriate as an ED, at least for the first half of the show, before the like real villains show up. Cause at that point, every episode still ends with at least a minor victory for Deku. And then it's really good when this song comes on. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what I'm thinking when I say as a capstone, he's always moving forward. Like, first one, he has no powers, but he does his best to, like, help these other people. And then as he's, like, developing um, all for one, like, he's he's figuring it out and he's learning new things about the power that are, like, hindrances to him, but he's figuring out how to handle it. Yeah. Then I have the uh, the Haruchika ED, uh, Kuso Triangle by uh, Shocho. Okay. And I like this one for a very similar reason to the Dimension W one. I think it works really strong as a capstone, not only because it has like a very upbeat like piano opening that uh, leads in from the end of the episode into the the ending proper. Yeah. But also, it's like the the visuals are not super exciting, but it's it's um it has this it has Chica walking home like after school at the sunset, and then Haruta runs up and like joins her and they they have this like silent conversation while the music plays and you can tell that they're going through all these different emotions like at first it's like oh hey you're here and then clearly they get into some kind of like argument or dispute (laughs) about something and like chica's really unenthused about whatever and i think it just works as a really good capstone because each of those episodes is a single mystery and by the end they've solved something and it feels like oh you know after this hard day they're going home and they've they finished whatever they were working on. And I think that's what really sells it for me, is it feels like a closer. Yeah. And I think the the song is really good because it it builds really well. Like it starts out just this sort of like piano stuff and vocals, and then like as the as like Haruta makes it into the scene, like these like electronic drums uh, uh hit. And then the, like, chorus hits, and it's all this other stuff and, like, electronica stuff on top of it mm-hmm. that just really feels good. I, I really like that song. All right. Then we have the first ending for uh, March Comes In Like a Lion. Yeah. Which is Fighter by Bump of Chicken. They're back. And let me tell you, it was actually really hard to cut off the opening of uh, <laughs> March Comes In Like a Lion too. Uh, th- I think that... That first OP and ED selection is just a real banger. All right. Like, they got a good set of songs from Bump a Chicken for both of these. And I think, like, so uh, we've talked about March Comes in Like Lion. I think the the imagery that this first season uses really, like, works with um with the ending. Like, it starts out with sort of just this organ stuff. Like, very not Bump of Chicken. But it's this very, like... It's this upbeat sort of like transcendent organ thing as he, as Ray sort of like is starting to like, is has water start like flowing up and almost trying to drown him. Yes. And as like the song builds and the, you know, the guitars start to hit and the bass and everything, he starts wading through it trying to move towards this sort of like, this much brighter thing ahead of him where all, where that family that he, uh, 
that interacts with is and all these other like very like well done shots that are just like play into the themes of him moving forward and learning to deal with like his past as he like uh confronts his younger self at the very end having waded through the water and just like everything about it just feels really strong and good and i it's just so good i i love it I think it's interesting that the OP has a lot of drowning imagery, and then the ED has a lot of resurfacing imagery in it. Yeah, I, it it does that really good too. And um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this in it later. But like the second season does something like that as well, where yeah. it uses a different sort of like natural thing to show this like this difference in the snowstorm. But I think the the drowning and the resurfacing is like. I don't know, I think it's stronger visually as a metaphor for how, like, deep he is into the sort of thing that he has no control over. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, I have the Mob Psycho 100 ending, which is Refrain Boy by All Off. Is that the way it is? I have written the other way around because I figured Refrain Boy would be the band. <laughs> Refrain Boy is the song, All Off is the band. All right. I have this one too, by the way. Okay. I think it's a really good song. Yes. Like, just in general. And it's... I, I mean, I'm just going to compare it to other things we've talked about. It's got a vibe in a lot of ways to, like, the, the My Hero Academia one. Just the way it's, it's still, like, a pump-up thing. It's still, like, very high energy as we get to the end of it. Mm -hmm. But then the visuals are oh really God. what I think pushes it forward. Absolutely. Like, it's... It's this glass painting thing going on. It's, like, so distinct from everything else. And it doesn't, like, lose any of its fidelity by being there. In fact, I think in a lot of ways it, like, improves on it. Because there are these, like, fades where you can see they just, like, wiped the paint on the glass. Yeah. To try to kind of move things forward. And there's all kinds of other stuff constantly moving with each different frame. That just, ah, oh, it's so good. It is. I, and I love how it's... Like, it starts out, it's just, like, average day, Reagan wakes up and does his stuff. And then as he meets Mob, colors start flowing in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, really playing into who the real main character is by, you know, giving this real sense of, like, this is where things happen. This is where the action starts is when Mob shows up and they have all these colors fade in. And it's just, it's just super cool. The style is fascinating and, like, it's, you know... I don't think any other show has done anything like that. Yeah, I, I if there is, then I, I, I wish I'd know about it because it's a really good ED. And those are my five picks. All right. Well, there's still two left on my list. Uh, the first is. So go over the ones that were also on your my list real quick. Uh, that's Heroes by Brian the Sun for My Hero Academia. Uh, Contrast by Foxtails for Dimension W and Refrain Boy. By all off for Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> I had to yeah. really think about that one for a sec. <laughs> uh, and still left, I have I Want You by Savage Garden for uh, Diamond is Unbreakable, JoJo's Part 4. Because uh, you just can't beat I Want You by Savage Garden. If it's in a if it's in an anime in a year, it's got to be in the best ED or OP list. Because here's the thing. Savage Garden, not a very good band. No. Truly, Madly, Deeply sucks. Okay. Sucks. But yeah, but the this song... This song's good. really good. Yeah, I, I love I Want You. It's a great song. Uh, the idea, like, the visuals 
or whatever. I like the part where Yosuke uh, mimes along with I need you, I want you. That's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I think it it is it is good in the way that it continues to throw characters into it as they appear. Yeah. But otherwise, it's not super distinct. Yeah, it's funny looking back on the early episodes where there's, like, <laughs> nothing in the ED at all mm-hmm. compared to later on. And later on, it's just, like, full of characters. Yeah, it's great. Oh, and uh, I think it's cute that uh, the the best of compilation that Savage Garden put out in Japanese has Josuke as the cover. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's, like, really playing to the, to the one thing that would make people buy a best of Savage Garden <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2016. I don't know, maybe they're really popular in Japan, like Mr. Big. Maybe! Yeah, maybe maybe it's a cheap trick situation. Yeah. And then last up on the list, this is my Dark Horse pick for the EDs. It's, uh... I, I, once again, this is a guessing situation, but I think it's Styx Helix by Myth and Royd. No, I know this one for certain, actually. Yeah, it's Myth and Royd. Yeah, St- Styx Helix by Myth and Royd for ReZero. Okay. And I think, you know, I, I, I talked earlier about a good ED keeping the feeling alive. And I think Styx Helix does a really good job of emphasizing this weird feeling that ReZero tries to evoke, which is feeling, like, trapped and alone and anxious in a world that isn't really... that is threatening, but in a really, like, clean and pristine way. Uh, The vocals are, like, this weird, clean, operatic, like, almost in a way, but then they're also like digitized like there's a lot of effects work going on over them and it's a very it's a very pretty mellow song and i I think it does a really good job of evoking that like that that quiet anxiety that the show is all about it's it's just and it's just a really lovely song in general and there's my five best well now there we go again the best five eds in anime of 2016 in my opinion rolls off the tongue yeah it looks at in my opinion at the end of all these (laughs) So, Chorps, tell me, what's your winner? Alright, so my my favorite ED of 2016 was Mob Psycho 100's uh, Refrain Boy by All Off. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like, it's it's hard to say everything that really talks to me, but the visuals are really the most important part, just being for being so different from everything else. And the, the song is just, like, a really good song that has, like, a lot of cool guitar effects going on, and, like, goes through all these different kinds of highs and lows... And juxtapose, juxtapose onto um, to Reagan just, like, getting ready for, you know, like, brushing his teeth and showering and just getting ready for the day is, like, really charming in a way. Okay. All right. Uh, well, for me, the winner is Heroes by Brian Sun from My Hero Academia. Uh, have you seen the music video for this song? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, uh, you don't have to, but I, I, I just happened to watch it on a whim, and... The lead singer for Brian the Sun has j- just such a sweet, cute face. Like, I, that's like the one thing I took away from that music video. And he has a weird orange raincoat on. But I, w- I don't know. I would I would trust that guy to watch over me while I sleep. Uh, he is my hero, I guess. He's got, he's kind of got hair like a, like a, like a Deku. Yeah, a little bit. It's sort of unruly. It, it, it works, mm-hmm. you know? And I think... I think after pretty much every episode of this that we watched, I said, man, what a good episode. And I think any really good ED should do that to you. And that's why it's my my pick for the best one. 
yeah, I get that because like ev- at the end of everyone, you just want to feel like yeah, that was good and yeah, and it's 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 a good upbeat song to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of going, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about our biggest surprises of 2016 in a positive way. Yeah, in this one, it's it's all positive, just like either shows that we didn't think we were going to like and were very surprised by or just like elements of a show that really stood out and like made us rethink about our thoughts on the show that kind of thing mm-hmm. so let's start it off jordan all right uh the first one on the list is erased okay and that's because when we were going into the show we didn't know like either of us or even future friend didn't really know what to expect yeah, we didn't know, like, anything about it besides its very base premise. Yeah, you were a little suspicious about it, based on the premise alone. Um, I was a little more, like, willing and open to it, but that's because I thought the the key art looked good. I was like, if the key art is that nice and clean, then it's gotta be a clean, good show. Um, right. And it turned out what we got was a really, like, damn good, solid piece of anime, and it's... You know, it was just, it was the whole package. It wasn't just a good story. It was, it was really beautiful, too. Um, Mm -hmm. It just ended up being fantastic. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't even sure if it was going to be an okay watch, let alone maybe one of the best anime of the year. And that's why, that's why it's on this list. Okay. Is it on yours, too? No. Okay. Uh, Then number two is Girlish Number. Uh, This is not on my list, but I want to talk to you about this. Okay. Well, last year, I think it was last year, yeah, it must have been, I watched uh, Sorry Gotta Say You, and I thought, alright, you know, that was an okay show that I liked, but I didn't love it. I don't think I need another one of that in my life. And just based on the premise of this, it seemed like it was either going to be just really run-of-the-mill and okay, or it was going to be like a really weird, uncomfortable watch. And the art style didn't really do it for me, so I figured, you know, I can let this one slide. Even though I like silly, cutesy anime, I don't think this is going to be the one. And what we ended up getting was, like, a really funny and interesting and, like, vicious take on the anime industry and voice acting in general. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise was finding out it was by the same person who did my teen romantic comedy snafu, which is like, oh... This isn't just, like, a show about uh, voice acting. This is going to be, like, a really harsh look at the industry, isn't it? And yeah. it absolutely was. And I think in a really good way, like, it is it is vicious and it's critical, but it's never, like, mean-spirited towards the industry in general. It's just like, oh, this is how it is, and sometimes it sucks, but this is about characters kind of overcoming that. Yeah. Except for the licensors. They're always yeah. bad people. And surprising how much they, like, round out the cast in 12 episodes that, like, still leaves plenty of room for development, mm-hmm. but shows that all of them are developing in some way or another. Yeah. Then number three is Battery. All right, I also have this on the list. All right. This is a show where, once again, I had no idea what it was going to be like going in, Um it was based on a book, so there was no manga that I could read beforehand or anything like that. It's based on a children's book, even. like Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I was expecting it, you know, it's it's probably going to be a fun little sports series, maybe. We'll see. Um, and what it ended up being was, like, a really, just a really high quality and unorthodox story. It was just really well told, you know, good characters, good pacing and all that. 
It was just really good, and I was I wasn't expecting it to be what it ended up being at all, especially with a thorny premise like it had. Yeah, and I'm surprised that like how much the characters were big in it. Like the like I didn't expect so much about like relationships to be part of this series. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much about it, like how much it treats baseball just as like a sport and not this like grandiose sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it just lets the sport breathe and you know and interact, and it's it's so much more about that because like other sports shows are all about the team, but this one is so focused on like maybe the most important like group of characters in a, a baseball team, which is the which is the pitcher and the catcher. Yeah. And it, it has that contrasting look at um, at our main cast and then the ones from the rival school and how, like, as one continues to grow due to this, like, you know, due to these, these fights they have and these conflicts and stuff, the other one is, like, falling apart, like, be, uh, you know, not on any part of either of the other characters, but just because it's, you know, it was rocky to begin with and it was sort of, like, faked. Yeah. And it's 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 this good. I think it's a strong juxtaposition of showing, like you know, anime relationships. Mm-hmm. And then number four on the list is Tanaka Kun is always listless. This is another one of those cases where I thought, based on the premise, this could either be either be okay or it's going to be maybe a little weird. Uh, and and I guess it was a little weird in the end, but it was also. <laughs> probably the funniest show that i watched all year or at least up there and it was it was really cute and i I love all the characters and it it looked really good too which is pretty surprising for a silver silver link show that's not idol masters so yeah just a good a good cute little slice of life comedy with a with a hook that ended up working really great character work too okay and then last one on the list it's re-zero um you know I, in the end, I didn't like it that much, but I was expecting it to come out of this like, man, what a load of, what a load of garbage! Why, why do people like this show? It's time <laughs> to destroy it. It's time to torch this entire industry down. But no, it's like I came out of it getting it, uh, even if I didn't really appreciate it fully. Uh, there, are, there are parts of it I, that I think are quite good, and, it, and you get why people like it for sure. Yeah. And I, I can I can find myself in that to a degree too because I I get why people like most shows even if I dislike them, um, but if for this show I could feel it every once in a while and I think it definitely has mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of very strong attributes even if it also has a lot of very weak ones, uh, but it could have been much worse still. So yeah, yeah okay. So my surprise is we only had one this time that matched mm-hmm. up. It was battery. So the other ones I have on here are um is so first up is Space Patrol Luluco. Okay. Um if you were to tell me that Studio Trigger did a really self-indulgent show, like that's that's how um Space Patrol Luluco was billed. As like uh Imaishi from Trigger just gets to be super self-indulgent and go whole hog. That sounds like the worst thing imaginable. Yeah, that does. Um that guy, I, I don't think he has a particularly good track record based on what I've seen of his work. And so it was a lot of, like, very, hmm, I don't know if that that works for me. But having watched it all at the end, after hearing a lot of people that otherwise didn't really like some of the Trigger stuff going, oh, hey, this is good, actually. I was like, okay, I want to I wanna see what this is about. And it's, 
it's funny. It's it's good and in a way that really shocked me because like the self-indulgence doesn't come out in a way that's like kind of gross or like pandering or anything. It's just like, oh, let's let's do a short tribute to all our shows by making these characters interact in them. Yeah. And so like, oh, they they end up in the Little Witch Academia world for one episode and just like do a dumb thing there. And like the gags are pretty funny. I think it's it is irreverent to its other um, franchises in a way that's not condescending, but is uh, fun. Sort of like they do that kill a kill world, and like the whole thing is basically just based on the like the threads bit or whatever of that story. Yeah, and it just goes nowhere, and you know the guy ends up dying or whatever. It's like <laughs> there's there's a charming irreverence to it that like really sells it, and also it's it's kind of a cute story about uh, about Luluco and this boy that she likes. Yeah. And, like, it, it just comes down to, like, oh, pure love is strong and powerful. And that's, like, it. And it's it, that's really nice coming out of Imaishi. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it, too. Yeah, and it, it's just, it was just a big shock to me because, like, there's no way this show could have been sold worse for me, I feel. And it ended up being good. Yeah. And then she high-fives Akko at the end. Yeah, and that leads to the Little Witch Academia TV, and that's the best thing about it, is that it gave us Little Witch Academia mm-hmm. TV series. But um, next up, I have Flip Flappers, and that's because going in, I was like, oh, this is some neat animation, there's some cool stuff. Uh, one of these characters is, like, surfing, uh, using magic, and that's cool. Yeah. But I didn't expect for, like, the first six episodes to just be, like, thrown into these very, like, different genres and like styles and stuff kind of in the same way like with space patrol luca they go to different uh different like worlds based on other franchises this really plays fast and loose with a genre like you know the first one they go to is sort of this just like snow-filled wonderland it's a very like nice sort of sweet moment and then like oh they go to mad max world and there's this huge <laughs> you know there's this huge like fighting sequence and then it plays into this like Super magical girl stuff, but also kind of Gurren Lagan in the way it handles it, because they, they shoot the giant cannon and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the horror episode where, you know, they get stuck in a school and have to find their way out, getting forced into, like, this routine. Like, it's it's so cool how much just goes on in that series that really shocked me in, like, because I felt like it worked each of those times that they did a new world and they tried to, like show something new and do something different with how they were doing the episodic nature of it. Yeah. Like it never felt like they were doing the same thing over and over again. And that was what was really cool. You know, it it might be difficult to remember uh, because it was a while ago. If you look back to the initial context of the show being announced, it was announced basically back to back with other silly name anime handshakers. (laughs) And back then everybody was like, wow, both of these shows sound like garbage. I'm not going to watch either of them. And then Flip Flappers ended up being pretty good, unlike the other one. Right, let's not talk about that. No. That's for next year. (laughs) I think Flip Flappers just does a good job of being a lot of different things well. Hmm. Um, Then I have My Hero Academia. Um, I don't really like superhero narratives. Okay. Um, I Like, especially in Western stuff, like, something about it just, like, doesn't grab me. And so I, I didn't really expect to like My Hero Academia. It's like, oh, it's a shonen thing that other people like, but this isn't the thing I like about, like, shonen. Yeah. But 
I think My Hero Academia does a really good job of not making anyone feel overpowered. Which maybe is the big thing I have with Western comics, is it always feels like, in a lot of ways, they're they're untouchable. Okay. Um, My Hero Academia gives you a bunch of characters that have one singular power, and all of them have their benefits and their weaknesses. And I think that's that's a big thing about it, is like making it feel like there are limitations to each of these powers. Kind of like a darker than black sort of thing, which that's the part I found interesting about it, is mm-hmm. like just the way it, it handles that is really cool. And My Hero Academia just it's a bunch of very charming, charmingly written characters um interacting with each other, and you get a feel for all of them that's really good and strong. And yeah, it was it was really good. Like I think some of the stuff in the la- in that last arc from that anime was a little iffy sometimes, but like I always was rooting for the good guys to win, and I it felt you know when they when they succeeded, I felt good about that. Like <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I got into it like in a in kind of a big way near the end. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. I feel like you putting this on the biggest surprises list is like a personal attack on me because I vouched for this show a lot. You did. Um, Does that mean you didn't believe me? No, I I believed you that it was good, but I just don't like superheroes. The the surprise is that I got into something that is a narrative I don't really care for. All right. Like it it does a good job of blending sort of the western style like the spandex suits and stuff and like with a with a good sense of like development for these characters in a way that isn't just like oh you know superman always wins or whatever Mm -hmm. like even even it's superman equivalent like uh all might has some pretty big flaws and like you know it's a it's a it's a big deal to see sort of these characters that are like you know fallible yeah and then the last one is cobinary of the iron fortress because i I don't like attack on titan and this is basically just that but good Uh, (laughs) cobinary the iron fortress like immediately like gives you like some real like just like shitty characters but shitty in a real endearing way like you like they're not they're not shitty like they're bad but like they're very selfish yeah. but in a way that like still feels charming and endearing like the way that the the main character like wants everyone to like feel bad when he dies to save them after they kick him off the train yeah like that that whole speech he has is really great and i think just like the way it handles his character in particular is always like he's very selfish, but also he wants to do his best and he cares for his friends and stuff like that. And like it's it's just got a lot of dumb, fun action stuff that it feels like could benefit other shows of this type. It's like just really going whole hog on how ridiculous it can get. Yeah. But still like being grounded in its own rules. Yeah. We don't get a lot of that anymore. Just like straightforward good action. There's a, there always has to be something to bring it down, I feel, in a lot of anime, action anime nowadays. Yeah, and, like, they, they do the whole thing at the very end where it's like, oh, you're gonna power up super strong, but you're gonna die, and he's willing to go through with it. And then he just, like, fucking stops a train right in his tracks and it explodes <laughs> in the middle of the air for no reason. It fucking rules. Um, yeah, Cabinary is, like, dumb, fun action in just the best way, I think. All right. Um, yeah. Are you sure that was your last one, by the way? Because I could have sworn you just named three no i named four and battery okay uh flip flappers battery lulico my hero academia cabinary yeah that's five okay i had to do the math because i'm two (laughs) i know we have different answers so 
You go first. All right, my winner is erased because, like I said, I went into it not even being sure if it was something I would want to watch at all, and it ended up being just a slam dunk toward the force of a show. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know what better example of this you could get. Even though, like, even though the final two episodes were kind of, you know, a bit of a mess. It was ten. It was ten. Five out of five episodes, or and that's good enough for me. Yeah, and that's all. And my winner is Flip Flavers, just for being like I don't, I'm I'm not particularly big into like a lot of the magical girl stuff. Like that's a genre that in a lot of ways escapes me. Mm-hmm. But Flip Flappers combines it with all these different genres and outlooks and stuff, and like it's still very like in tune with that magical girl stuff. Like they have these huge transformations and magic powers and you know the weapons and stuff, but it also is willing to play with all these other different stuff. Like sometimes they don't even transform. They just do stuff, you know, in their in their regular uh, forms, and that's the big part of the story is all this like character-driven stuff. And I think is very cool and like it's not it's not dark, but it it is very distinct in the way it handles the its itself. I think. All right. Now for things to get really dark. Yeah. Now for the turn on this last one. We have the our biggest disappointment of 2016. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was about the show, it it failed to live up to our expectations in some big way and was not able to recapture our expectations, or it just turned out bad, or we went in with a, you know with a bad with a bad premise. Yeah. Take the lead. Take the take the poo covered reins, my man. God damn it. Oh, I see why you wanted to go first, so I could get all the bad ones first. <laughs> I never said I wanted to go first. You let me go first. Anyways, the biggest disappointments of 2016, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, first up, we have Dimension W. All right, I have this one too. Uh, a little bit came out of it while we talked about the OP. Um, Dimension W has a real strong start and I think uh, a, a, a premise that works really well of sort of like a guy who hunts down basically like illegal robots yeah and it's 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 very cool in that way it sets up this very like episodic look into sort of like oh we have to get back these illegal coils or whatever from these different gangs that are using it for even if they're not bad purposes just like purposes they clearly shouldn't be because these things are illegal yeah and it 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 sets up like the 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 sidekick who's this this robot girl and given that the the main character really hates sort of new technology um, it plays well into his character, and there's there's the possibility for development there. And then, like, the main plot happens, like, three episodes in, and it just stops. Yeah. It just kind of loses all of that interest, because it, it gets so big into this, like, larger-than-life plot, and then gets into, like, two other larger-than-life plots. Yeah. Like, Dimension W has way too much story uh, <laughs> front-loaded into it. Where it, it needs time to breathe. Like, let me get introduced to these characters before you go like, oh, here are the illegal coils that give him PTSD because it was from this horrible thing. And they're like super coils from before everything happened. Like, give me, give me some time. Oh, Dimension W had a lot of promise and just like could not live up to it after multiple tries. Here's what how i felt about dimension w and it's really weird because i don't think i've ever felt like this about another show or at least another anime and that's that it feels like a pose like 
it doesn't feel like what Dimension W sets out to be is something the original author of the manga wants to write. Because it, it clearly wants to be sort of like a darker than black or maybe even a cowboy bebop like, you know, hard, cool dudes in a rough and tough and future world just trying to do their thing. But then you have like the cutesy robot idol girl and the silly superheroes and the like weird plot lines. And it like it doesn't end up being what I feel like it was meant to be in, in a very strange way. Like the author thought other people would think something would be cool or think something is cool but doesn't either doesn't know or doesn't actually want to write that and go whole hog on it. Mm. And that's how I feel about Dimension W. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it is just, what a, ugh. What a miss. Uh, next up, I have Brave Beats, which is a show that basically went uh, untalked about, I think mostly on this show and uh, and everywhere. Um, Brave Beats, <laughs> in a lot of ways, felt like a follow-up to uh, Tribe Cool Crew, which I thought was super cool. And a, a series about street dancing for kids in a way that was like really easy to follow and a lot of fun but also had a lot of heart to it Mm -hmm. and brave beats was a hundred percent a follow-up to that it was the same studio same art style same general thing about street dancing but it it just it felt like it had a lot of filler and in a way that like a slice of life show doesn't you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's it is a shonen series, but like Tribe Cool Crew was a show a lot about what we could con- traditionally call filler. Like, plenty of episodes that aren't about dancing. A lot of them are just about like talking with characters and having fun and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Brave Beats misses that, maybe because it puts a very like shonen story on top of it, where like, oh, they're collecting these dance stones that are each based on a super secret dance move from Dance World. Oh my god. And and like it it really hamstrings itself by making it so episodic in that way because everything ends up playing out the same. Yeah. Uh, and it's really unfortunate because I think that there's like a good idea there and it's like stupid and fun in a really good kid show way because there are people that come from dance world <laughs> and like come to earth and they're robots that fuse with humans to do dances, which are CDs that they plug into their CD player head. And they're all like shown in action moves, but it really, it, it really missed the mark by just being so full of sort of like wacky shonen antics that never pushed the characters forward. Hmm. Like, in the first half, they had, like, three episodes about how the main character couldn't trust the main Dancerian, which are the people from Dance World. Um, and it's just, like, you you can't keep doing that over and over. There has to be a sense of development, and there just never really was. Oh, my God. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Then we have Prince of Stride. Okay. Man, I wanted to like Prince of Stride. Parkour racing sounds cool. Yeah. And also, despite everything uh, I should believe, I... I think Otome games get a bad rap and maybe deserve to be, like, at least a little better looked at. But Prince of Stride, the animation, did not um, give off that vibe at all. Yeah. It felt it felt like it was, like, really just kind of going through the motions. And I don't know if that's a timing issue or what, but it, it definitely felt like the characters were sort of half-formed and its action was, 
really hit and miss about, especially like placement. Like you never got a sense of how a race was going until someone said, oh, they're on the last lap or, oh, they just made it around this bend. Yeah. Very poor direction. It's really hard to follow. Yeah. And I think there's a cool idea there. And like the first episode, I think, does the race really well. That first stride event. Yeah. But then it just, it kind of loses its its sense of direction yeah there. it definitely doesn't live up to the to the race from the first episode for sure yeah um then i also have on here days okay oh you know this is this is the sports block actually as it turns out <laughs> i don't know how i ended up with so many sports so days um it has one character uh that's the main character and he has a lot of trouble developing yeah and when he's out of the picture, there's just nothing. It is just a dire, dour sort of show where all of these one-note characters are trying really hard to to stand out. And it's it's really unfortunate because I think Days has a decent premise. Like, you can... Plenty of shows have done guy who's not very good at sports gets good at sports. Yeah. But Days definitely spins its wheels way too long. Because that guy does not get good at sports in the first, like, six episodes. Except for when he is. Except for some, when he somehow, like, lucks into it. Yeah. And then all the other characters are just kind of there to to support his development in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so many of the episodes are like, uh, the main character does something dumb. And then someone else is like, that's dumb. And then he's like, no, it's very good and cool, actually, because it shows how much I want to be good at soccer. And then they're like, you're right. And, like, he's endangering himself in a lot of these cases. <laughs> so, like, ugh. Yeah. And then the last one is, uh, is, is Yuri on Ice. Yeah, I have this one on here, too. Um, I, I liked, I like the premise. I like what it sets up with the different arcs of the main characters and how they are, like, sort of the same arc, but from different points in life. But Yuri on Ice, um... In some ways, is way too ambitious. I think it, it does too much ice skating to the detriment of its quality, which is unfortunate because there's some really good like choreography and stuff in there and just moments that feel really good. And I think I think the romance actively detracts from the uh, from the arc that I felt was coming from the characters. Yeah. It takes up a lot of space. I, I don't particularly like Victor as a character and thinks he takes up a lot of space. <laughs> and there are parts of it that just don't, like, do not hit at all about me wanting to care about that character. I think Yuri on Ice just was like, it, it really started to fall apart as it, it got further into that, which is just not what I was there for. Yeah. Yeah, I was already not super on board with the show basically starting from episode two. thought episode one was pretty good, but after that it went downhill really fast. And then once I started to realize how, like, unfortunate a lot of the undercurrent in that show is undercurrents in that show were that's when it really started to hit me that i'm just really unhappy about this show in general we already mentioned a lot of it when we talked about it previously so i I won't go over it again but i think uh probably like actually one of the not worst things but one of the things that i think was really unfortunate that people latched onto is that the bad guy character or like the antagonist like the annoying dude in from the contest yurio no 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 no. the the uh, the 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 man who is very straight Uh, oh chris yes i think is 
the bad guy for the same reason that Victor is not the bad guy, which is that they're chasing after a lover very actively. Oh, not Chris, the uh, the other guy, the guy who got broken up with the, the girl. Yes. I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. The, the like, gothic kind of dude. And that's, and that's weird, man. What I'm trying to say is Fic- Victor sucks and Yuri deserves better. And just the entire relationship angle of the show was completely fumbled and I don't get why people like it. And that's it. I hate this show. I think hearing that the first episode, the first season is not the last season, like really undermines a lot of the character development stuff. Mm-hmm. Like just hearing that, oh, it ends with like going like, oh, Yuri didn't win. So he's going to go back into the, he's going to go back into it. And also Victor's going back into it. seems like you really just like drop the ball on both of their arcs. Wow. Weird. It's almost like Victor is a manipulative piece of garbage. Anyways, that's my list. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do I... I have one, two, three different ones on there because I had Dimension W okay. and Yuri on Ice. I also have on here Mayu Iga um, because, you know, our you know our moniker, uh, support original <laughs> anime except when it's... You're going to have to follow on that one because I don't even remember what the thing we were talking about last week was. Except when, it, except when it's Neko Pond. There you go. Um, and, you know, Mayu Iga was... An original anime with a premise that I'm super into, which is a bunch of people go out to an abandoned place and something weird starts happening. And, you know, in the end, it just ended up being a total wet fart of a show that I found nothing <laughs> to like in. It's just that there's a spark of life that I think a show with this premise really needs that it didn't end up having. And, you know, it, it didn't need to be a total, like slasher fest yeah uh but it it definitely needed to come alive at a certain point i don't think it ever did that's why it's on here uh then next up i have berserk i had really low expectations and the show still completely crushed them in a bad way um (laughs) just there is so much to love about berserk as a manga like it's genuinely one of the best graphic novels of all time and none of the, what is good about it is here. And it's just such a mishandling of the property that it's just, it's just a huge mess. And that's a shame because Berserk deserves better and it just seems like it's impossible for it to get what I think it should have when other shows, like, for example, or when other manga, like Drifters, for example, do get, like, like a really lavish production and a good-looking show, and it's like, man, come on, give Miura a break, give him something good, and he just ne- he never does. Yeah, like Berserk is beloved, and it's like a huge selling franchise. Like it, it astonishes me in a lot of ways that it it can't get the funding, or like it can't get the like people behind it to really like push it, yeah. you know, to give it the adaptation that people think it deserves like it's fascinating to me that something as huge and like long-running and beloved as berserk can't get anything in the modern era except like cheap 3d because like the the movies recently were like that too right uh they had better 3d but they were still not but it was still like great looking productions yeah it's like it's just it it seems baffling that they they can't get a 2D studio to sign on to that. Yeah. Well, I assume what happened is Gemba and Milipensi just 
said they could do it cheaper for cheaper than everybody else, and that was just good enough for the production studio. Maybe they even had to fund it themselves, and they had to pay for the license and then use whatever they still had left to produce the show, which would be even worse. And I just don't get it, because in a year, who's going to want to buy Blu-rays for this show? Whereas, if you make a good adaptation of Berserk, you could sell and resell that forever. So I don't get, I don't understand the economics behind this show. It's a, it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And then, uh, speaking of not, get, not getting the economics, uh, last on the list is, this is a bit of an un- unorthodox pick, but it's Kyoto Animation as a whole. <laughs> Tell me more. Because in 2016, they primarily produced uh, Phantom World and uh, Sound Euphonium, both of which are just these mediocre, just like sluggish, uninteresting, like unthreatening, boring shows when a company with such a high standard of production and that has put out so many genuinely great works in the past really should be doing better than adapting not especially good novels into slightly better anime that look really good, you know? We should point out that we haven't watched um, A Silent Voice. That's not available in English anywhere yet. So Mm -hmm. that might be the one thing that stands out, but we're specifically talking TV stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's weird, you know? And it's been like this for so long now. I just want them, just once, I want them to do something genuinely worthwhile and that's going to stand the test of time again and they haven't done that since hioka and even hioka i think is worse as an adaptation than it was uh, than the source material was like i think the kiyoani isms made that show worse than it should have been so damn it i just want them to p- pick it up and start putting out that good stuff again like they yeah and like to. you know they're like air <laughs> don't don't talk smack carry on who who even are you anymore <laughs> no, but um, but I I think like Kiwani at this point has become an Ouroboros in a lot of ways. I think that they, because like they they also pro- they also like produce and like print light novels. Mm-hmm. I think at some point they're just going to become circular and put out light novels and then make anime adaptations of them. Yeah, I think that's just their that that's like that seems to be their end goal. And I think that's fine, but I I just want to see something different out of them than what they've been putting out, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I do think Violet Evergarden has the chance to be something cool, but they just keep that, you know, to be announced. They haven't they haven't said anything about it since they put out that commercial for the for the light novel series. Right. And they have the like archery one, which I don't know, you know, that archery, you know, high school archery might be cool. That's a that's the thing that just hasn't been explored. Mm-hmm. And so there there are ideas there that I don't think are bad. Like, Sound Euphonium conceptually isn't bad. But it's the Kiyoani touches that really hurt it, I think. Yeah. And it's an unpopular opinion, but it's like... Uh, yeah, I, Amaki Brilliant Park was the last thing of theirs I enjoyed, which was like three years ago now. And it's it was trashy, sure. But it was also, like, fun. And I think it's, they've just been missing out on the fun aspect for a while well phantom world was supposed to be fun yeah but it wasn't okay the thing is it has to be fun (laughs) all right well other people disagree so i don't know like they like what 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 was the big like they had what was it in a row it was like uh uh and actually heard all right things about tomico market it was like free beyond the boundary um the chunibio show all right in a row and that's like a real bad list of three things (laughs) 
Yeah. And so it's it just it's it seems like they have these like these moments where it's like, oh, we'll pick up something that's for fun, and then otherwise they kind of beef it. I don't know. It, it's weird. Yeah. And looking back, it's like I think of QAnity as this show, as this company that used to just put out only the good stuff. But really, they just put out Haruhi and Kayon, and I don't like any of their other stuff. So maybe uh, it was just Nichi always Joe? like this, and I'm the I'm the idiot. Oh, I I don't know. Nietzsche Joe is good. I don't particularly like it. Okay, I don't know. I, like I I do like some of the stuff on here. Um, f- uh, Full Metal Panic Fomofu has good points. I I've only seen oh, clips, yeah. but I like that. You know, I I'll, I'll stand by their adaptations of all the key stuff that they handled, uh, like Clan Ad. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, Kaon was great. Yeah. I liked Nichijou. Uh I want to get to Hyoka at some point. People really like it. But yeah, then and then it's like right after Hyoka, it's just like a bunch of stuff that just kind of, it's not as interesting, I guess. Yeah. So what's the, tell me about the winner. What's oh. your most disappointing anime? Uh, Dimension W. Oh. I think Dimension W was right. the most disappointing thing on my my list. Like, hmm. all like um, I I really thought about Brave Beats just from how high I came off of um, Tribe Pool Crew, but like Brave Beats was what it was. It was a it was a children's show and it did the children's show thing. Yeah. Like I can't I can't fault it for that. Dimension W just like drops its premise that it sets up in episode one for just some other real garbage. Um, <laughs> like, I think the the concept behind the the mystery where the guy drowned in his room uh, alone was, like, interesting. Yeah. And then it got real stupid. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, oh, this, this coil causes time travel, and so there are these two people acting in different dimensions, but it, and it's just like, <sighs> Dimension W really just, like, it really dropped the ball in a heavy way because it did set up this cool thing and just like nothing came out of it. It's yeah, just ugh. True. And I and more so than any of like the sports shows I put on, it really dropped the ball because like Prince of Stride, Days, Yuri all have a character issue and not just such a fundamental plot issue as Dimension W did. Mm-hmm. For me it's Berserk. Oh uh, well, it okay. was gonna be like what else was it gonna be? It's like, it's the ugliest show of the year, maybe of all time. Like it's probably in the top ten ugliest shows of animes of all time, anime of all time. Excuse me. Um, and it's just, man, I love Berserk, and this isn't it. This isn't even Berserk. Like it, it's it cuts away so many of the aspects that makes Berserk good, and just leaves behind this wet slop of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. That is like, I don't know. It just needs to be a little bit better to be okay, but it's not. It's really bad. And that's why it's the biggest letdown. Right. And then, next up, getting back to some positive notes. Yeah. And the exact opposite of Berserk 2016 <laughs> is the best production. Um, this this goes to a lot of things, but it could be, you know, best production could be art direction. It could be, you know, regular direction. It could just be, you know, like, it's, it's sense of style. Whatever we found endearing about... Uh, a show uh, aesthetically is what's going to hit yeah. here. So you start us off. We put this on here before we start uh, because I was reading a book about the the Academy Awards, the Oscars a while ago, 
and I found out that for their first couple of shows, they actually had two Best Picture awards instead of just one. They had Most Artistic, which was just like, you know, the one that was the best story and all that. And then they had Best Production, which was the one that brought the most work to town at a time when the situation in Hollywood wasn't established yet and it was still a tumultuous business. And being something that, you know, brought, brought people together, created jobs, was still something to be big to be celebrated at the time. And I felt like, you know, maybe it is a good thing to split, split that up from the best anime, because otherwise, something might slip through the cracks just because it's only really good, it only really looks good, but maybe the story isn't good, but it looks so good that it still deserves to be talked about. That's why, that's why this category is here now. I love how much backstory is on this one when it's like, oh, we just wanted to say that we didn't like certain things, so we made the properties we'd rather not exist on official award. Yeah. Like, a lot of thought went into this, apparently, more so than I could thought. Well, just a little bit. It's because last year, all of my, all of the best anime I had were, like, boring dad anime, and I wanted them to look <laughs> cool for the kids. One Punch Man for boring dads. Yeah, and One Punch Man. That's fair. I don't know, dads probably like One Punch Man. Yeah, I think dads would prefer to be hero. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But go ahead. Yes, best production. Number one is Erased. This is the one that I feel of the whole list I probably need to defend the most. Uh, this is also on my list, by the way. Okay, because it's a good-looking show, but it's not a special-looking show. It's a very straightforward anime. Um, but it's super clean. It's really well animated. There's a lot of life in the animation, but... It's also, I think, the best directed show of the year, or the, has the, had the best cinematography of the year. Like, I was always looking at how they selected the angles and the depth of field and all that, and it was really great all the way through in the way anime often isn't. Like, a lot of shots in anime feel very workmanlike a lot, and that makes sense because t uh, like live-action TV shows are like that, too. Uh, but this show rose above that. It is maybe... The Game of Thrones or the Breaking Bad to an average <laughs> anime is, I don't know, Desperate Housewives or something like that? I don't know, just uh, very well put together. <laughs> I think its imagery is really well done, too. I think mm -hmm. doing the, like, theatrical widescreen thing for the, uh, for the, the, the past parts yeah. is really cool, because it, like, it gets you, it lets you know, like, oh, you know, this is you're looking back on this sort of thing. Like it is a, it is a snapshot is a movie of the past. Yeah. And I think like the other imagery stuff, like while it's not like super subtle, like the crows and stuff, it's still like, it's still got this real good sense of like shot composure when it comes to stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like the, the, the aesthetics between like when um, Satoru's remembering stuff, it's on that sort of film grain you know, it's it's really cool how it sort of, like, goes from shot to shot and things like that. It's very well done artistically. Yeah. The next up on the list, we have the the fan favorite, the People's Champion. It's Mob Psycho 100. I have this on my list, too. Wow. I never would have thought. Who could have thought um, that the show that everyone beloves for its visuals would show up on Best Production? Yeah, weird. Um... Uh, so this is like sort of the opposite of Erased because it's not a straightforward looking show at all. Like if you just <laughs> saw a screen cap, a screen cap of like a regular moment from the show, you'd think it looks really ugly. But there's just so much going on in the animation and there are so many creative ideas put to the screen 
that it's just amazing. Like, they have the glass painting, like, the really sketchy animation stuff, all that. There's so many cool ideas, a lot of which I've never even seen before in animation, and that was just great. And the glass painting even shows up in the show, which is the coolest yeah. part. Like, the show itself is willing to, like, experiment. Yeah. It's definitely experimental. And it's not just experimental, it succeeds, too, and that's the best kind of experimental. That's the kind all the scientists appreciate. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of dissertation that'll get you published. <laughs> I think Mob Psycho does really good in just, like, looking really good when it comes to effects. Like, yes. a lot of a lot of shows run into these, like, production issues later on. Mob Psycho, like, consistently throughout is just, like, a, at the forefront of, like, animation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, it never feels like it's ever sacrificing uh, for anything. Like, it always feels like, oh, they, they were ahead of schedule where they really had this figured out, you know? Yeah. We're, we're calling this section best production, and I think in that sense, in a very literal sense, this really was the best production of the year. Because mm -hmm. there's stuff like the entirety of, I think it's episode five, when Mob has the fight with the other psychic kid. Right. That was, that entire episode was animated by one person. That's nuts. That is you know? ridiculous. Yeah. And there's just a lot of, like, they had this show figured out. And that's really cool. Like, I love seeing that when you see a lot of anime that are just, like, fly-by-night, you know, pedal-to-the-metal productions. Mm -hmm. And this show was definitely not that. And, <laughs> and here's some dividends. of the backstory of this is really charming. Um, so the director of this show worked with the director of One Punch Man on Space Dandy for different episodes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. The director of Death Parade, too, by the way. Yeah, and so... The, so the director so the director of um, Mob Psycho looked at One Punch Man and was like, I'm going to do him one better. <laughs> like, that's the, that, that's the story I hear is basically he was like, I'm going to one-up the One Punch Man director with Mob Psycho since it's like two different studios but the same author. So it's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to really show it to them. And Mob Psycho really just like knocks it out of the park in so many ways, uh, production-wise, animation, everything. Yeah. I do think it's really funny that it's the crudely drawn digital <laughs> webcomic that people decided to have, like, an animation flex off about. Yeah, right? Like, like that's such a lovely success story. And I think, um, this isn't really production, but one of my favorite things about Mob Psycho just as a show is that the, the, the post-credits sequence of the last episode is a short vignette about them going to, like, uh hunt a yokai or whatever and it's mm -hmm. all story it's all um all the cells are done by one. <laughs> oh yeah right so it's all professionally colored and everything like the people at uh, at bones but then like <laughs> you can tell like he's trying really hard to match the style of the anime but it just it just doesn't work <laughs> like so much like like i actually had to look at it for you know uh like half a minute or so and go, something doesn't seem right this isn't drawn by the normal people. This is one. <laughs> oh. I wonder if they like told him how you're supposed to produce a cell, or if they, or if he just handed them like a pencil drawing, <laughs> and told them to figure it out. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, that'd be good though. Next up, uh, Sound Euphonium Two. You know, backhanded compliment maybe because I just spent ten minutes talking trash about Kyoani, but. It looks amazing. It's probably the best looking show they've ever made, and that says something. They they still put in so much work for their shows, and it 
it really shows in the in the visuals and everything. It is a tour de force. Yeah, it's beautifully animated. Like the motion of it is great, but then the combination of great motion and great detail in every frame is really what makes this show amazing. Because um, a lot of other shows, they have to do the payoff. Like Mob Psycho looks great because of all the animation stuffs in it, but all the characters are really silly and simple. And then you have something like. I don't know, maybe like a, a, a lesser madhouse show, like uh, a regular Magic High School that l- has great looking characters and looks great in screenshots, but man, the movement, really stiff. And this show is amazing on both fronts, and that's incredible that they're even able to pull that off. And what's really fucked up in a lot of ways is, like, all of their stuff is, like, in their wheel. Like, they have, like, a set number of people. They don't have to, like, contract out to other people. They are prepared way ahead of time for any sort of delays with their very small core staff Mm -hmm. like they've just got this they've got this industry figured out in the way that is going to make them the most money and god bless them but please pick something better to add and adapt yeah i saw a uh, i saw a bar graph the other day that showed uh the amount of key animators on every show of maybe all of 2016 but i think it was just uh the last season and Sound Euphonium 2 had the least, and I think five. Uh, yeah, it's really fucked up. And I think that's true of most of their shows. Yeah, that may, maybe that was just for the first episode of every show or something like that. But it was definitely, like, that once again speaks to just, like, a good, well-put-together production. And that's great. It's wild. Was this on your list, too? No, but, man, Kiwani, always, always doing it. Well, not always. Like, Phantom World was still really good, but it definitely... It's not amazing like Sound Euphonium 2 and definitely not something that I think should be on this list. But yeah, Sound Euphonium 2 is is like the strongest looking show that they've done. Yes, totally. Uh, the next up, number four, we have Kaminari of the Iron Fortress. Uh, I got this on my list too, yeah. Alright, yeah, it's not a surprise. It's just... Man, it's just a powerhouse of animation. Just like... So many different character designs. There's always... Stuff's always going on in this show. Uh, 3D is really well implemented for the most part. Um, I haven't finished it yet, so maybe it totally just, like, crashes off of the rails in the final couple episodes. But for the most part, it it's just stunning what Wit Studio managed to pull off with this one. It takes its pretty standard... It takes pretty standard anime production dives. It doesn't, like, really beef it. Okay. And I think one thing it does really well is just action, like really making you feel, you know, feel every hit in yeah. the way that the characters react to them. Mm-hmm. Just like getting knocked back or anything or, and just like really strong action shots. And like uh, the, the the interior of like the train is always really well done and done in like a realistic way. It's nuts. Yeah. Um. Even if like the guys and girls and children all have sort of a different style to them. Like, particularly in, like, their facial structures. Mm-hmm. There's still this very, like, strong continuity going through them that makes it feel like they all live in this world together. Yeah. Like, they're distinct, but they're still understandable as uh, as characters in a singular universe. Yeah. I think it's the shading, partially, that does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's this really cool multi-layered shading thing going on in this show that I think uh, like a lot of anime do that and I think Sound Euphonium does it too I mean it has to because of all the brass instruments but I think this show almost does it one better just because the movement in the show is very extreme 
and there's mm-hmm. a, just always like just big motions and that's more difficult to keep consistent than small motions i feel but they pull it off for the most part and that's pretty amazing and, and it's also like this isn't exactly production but it's also like i think one of the better uses of like steampunk as a thing mm-hmm. where it's not like way too up its own ass about the world but it's like oh you know these are non-traditional weapons that we've you know like made enough of a justification for yeah yeah i i am um, i am a bit of a steampunk apologist i like the style a lot but i have one central rule for it and that is that every little bolt and gear and pipe needs to at least look like it has a purpose and this show does a really good job of that i think i buy into all of the technology in cavanary and that's great yeah and like the the decorative stuff isn't um isn't like full of gears and cogs and stuff it's just made of metal yeah and i think the the one the one like steampunk thing that's like silly but like endearing because it makes sense is the like the motor powered uh bow and arrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> where it's just like as it has a gear where the arrow is going to go through just to make it go faster <laughs> Yeah. And, like, it is it is very decorated, but, like, I get that, you know, it's there to give me, you know, the understanding that, oh, this is, like, a super bow and arrow. Yeah. It's like, sure. Like, it's silly, but I buy that it works like that. It's not, like, just a hat that has gears on it for no reason or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The one thing that was bad about this show is the part, uh, or visually, is the part where the uh, the girl, the mechanic girl uh takes off a coat to really like work of uh, a handle good mm-hmm. and and then suddenly her muscles grow out of nowhere no that's not the problem like yeah she has her her body structure does change that's a little weird but i don't care about that that's just there to add emphasis but she has a really muscular back but like no abs which is the opposite of what happens when you do a lot of physical labor mm-hmm. that was the one part where i thought man that they beefed it they, they that part doesn't look the way it should and other than that i never thought of it like that so and that's pretty great i think to talk about production one last time with cabinary because we really got a little off track but um i think one part where it really really shows how much attention to detail they're doing is that um is that sword fight in what was it episode four mm-hmm. uh, with like the with like the zombie that's like smart yeah i think that's episode four yeah you remember what i'm talking about though right yes like, that fight has a lot of really fluid motion to it, and, like, you you kind of, like, see the impact that these swords are having. Like, it, it definitely feels like all the other things are, like, it's a lot of, kind of, guns and alternative stuff like that. Like, Mume does really cool action stuff, but the just the sword fight is, like, a real good use of a very traditional style of fighting yeah. to show it off. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of... Sword of the Stranger, and any fight scene that reminds me of Sword of the Stranger is good in my book. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, even though I only watched a couple episodes of it, but man, what episodes uh, is Flip Flappers? I have this on my list as well. Okay. Um, it's just, man, the Snowman and the Mad Max stuff and the Haunted House, it just it was all so well done, and it was all a tour to the force of, like, totally classic animation. And that was great. And I was like, I think even more so than the rest of this show so far, except for maybe Mob Psycho, like this show had me floored with how good and interesting parts of the animation were. And like Mob Psycho, it has a very distinct style. Mm -hmm. Like that is not traditional in a lot of ways, but they really make it work. Yeah. 
And I think the way that they can take these aesthetics from all these different styles and put them together is really good. Yeah, you can definitely tell always that it's flip-flappers, even though every episode stuff looks so different. Yeah. The uh, the the only real issue is that it, it, it ran into some big struggles at the end. Um, like, there, there are definitely parts where you can tell, like, oh, they, they couldn't get quite as many in-betweens here, or, like, this is a part where they they literally had to only put stills in, like yeah. an unintentional um, sort of uh, montage. Yeah. But they they put in tons and tons of work at that studio to, to make it as good as they could. And I think still it comes out as like this, this fantastic um, set of animations. Totally. So I had Erased and Cobinary and Mob Psycho and Flip Flappers on here, like yes. you. Just the one. The only one that I didn't match with you is Haikyuu. Okay. And I got into Haikyuu uh, later than you did, for sure. So maybe it's just because this is uh, more fresh in my mind. But over three seasons, Production IG has not let really anything slip. Yeah. Uh, they've, they, they seem to always be like ahead of schedule with their stuff. Like, Every every sort of, like, doofy-looking thing is doofy because it's far away or because it's for emphasis. Mm-hmm. You know, they put a ton of work into making everything look consistent and right. And, like, even, like, the really gross shots, like, um, uh, is it Yev? The, the, the guy on Nekoma with the, with the, uh, the goofy arms? Yes. Like, it's a really, it's a really evocative thing whenever he hits it because you're like, because his arms <laughs> get all noodly. Right, yeah. But, like, you know that that's intentional. And, like, um, oh, what's that? Like, the that, that one cut of Oikawa doing the his, like, super serve. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking like, about, Like, the too. ripples on the volleyball are just, like, like that, that piece of animation must have, you know, taken so long. And it's all 2D. Like, there are no shortcuts taken. It's, it's fantastic. And they have all kinds of shots where they, like, trick you into thinking that it's not 3D like that um like that 360 uh turnaround at the uh end of the match in season 3. Yeah. is like you it has to be 3D because there's no way someone true all those but like you don't feel it. You don't feel mm-hmm. the 3D. And I think that's the best thing that Haikyuu does. Is is it makes you it always makes you feel like they've done this pristine work even when they're like cutting corners for like logistical reasons. Yeah. I think it's uh it's it's just a it's a fantastic set of production. Like Haikyuu really sets the bar in a lot of ways for yeah. uh for for sports. I think something can really be said for any show that runs uh, a two core season and doesn't like drop the ball ever even a little bit. Like that's really impressive. Yeah, they're more I I think at the start of season 2 they they said something like oh they were already like 10 episodes ahead in production that's wild yeah it's it that's that's so unlike the uh anime climate as it were and to Mm -hmm. see the production ig and you know some other ones but production ig as like one of the bigger like not you know uh, insular sort of studios is pulling it off is like wow well you know what the, the ig stands for it good i was gonna say incredibly good but that works too okay. <laughs> <laughs> yours is better oh. huh? damn <laughs> all right what's your what's your best production 
Um, I think it's pretty safe to say, like, I would be shocked if we didn't have the same pick for best production. As uh-huh. well, I'm so sure that I'm going to put it on the table and you're not going to cut this out <laughs> of the cast, even if I'm wrong. It's Mob Psycho 100. You're right. It's Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, like, what else was it going to be? You know? Yeah, there's, there's, I don't think there's a lot else this year that compares, especially just like how dynamic Mob Psycho 100 is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the other four shows on my list, and I guess Haikyuu as well, are really beautiful shows that are, look great, but they look great in the way we expect anime to look great. Mob Psycho 100 looks great and it pushes the medium forward in a way, or into new territory at least. That's great. Yeah, and like, like, like we've talked about before, sometimes it's really good when a show does disgusting really deliberate, Mm-hmm. And something about one as he, like, just one as a as a writer is sometimes he makes some real disgusting looking, like, gags and stuff. Yeah. But, like, sure. the way that they've cleaned it up for animation really sells just how gross some of it is. You know, mm-hmm. like, just, like, the, the disgusting faces on Dimple and stuff just, like, really stand out. And it's it's super cool. I think, I think Mob Psycho really just does, like, push the limit of like visuals like all the different effects even though there are so many of them like the effects are out of control it never feels like it's just like for the sake of putting them in there all of them are to put like this this real sense of power to people and you know like that Mm -hmm. or even dumb goofs like when um reagan is giving the massage to that guy and it ends (laughs) in this just the ridiculous card like attack card like things like that are, there's so much love put into them because it's like a stupid goof that they really want to like play out as serious. Like it's, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and like the the way that they they converted mob style uh, is like fantastic because it's still um, it's still like recognizable as oh yeah that's that's one's garbage art style, mm-hmm. but also it's like uh, they just polished it to such yeah. a great degree. They make it look almost respectable. Which is pretty great. <laughs> just at face value. Because you know, when you see an anime, you just you know. Yeah. This is the good stuff. For sure. But you know what isn't the good stuff? It's our next category. The worst. Our worst anime of 2016. I didn't think about this when we were selecting the order for these. But because of that, you really ended up having to take the lead on all the bad stuff. Yeah, I said that last time. Huh. Yeah, right. With but, disappointment. Yeah. But I didn't, I, at the time, I didn't realize it was going to be like that the whole way through. Yeah, whoops. So, in comparison to, like, Biggest Disappointment of 2016, mm-hmm. um, these are shows that we just felt, like, went beyond just disappointing us to being, like, legitimately bad. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a step forward where, like, man, ugh, these shows. And let yeah. me tell you, it was hard in some ways to find what five shows I was going to pick, but I think I landed on a pretty strong five. Like, I don't think this was a particularly, like, bad year for anime that I watched. Not for anime that I watched, yeah. Because I also tried to keep it to anime that I watched, if I could. Oh yeah, totally. Otherwise, what, like, it's it's going to be real tough. It's, it's just Super Lovers five times. <laughs> oh, well, who's going to win? Oh. Uh, but yeah, so... With the worst anime, I'll start this off, and I will, uh, I'll say Mayoiga. Okay. 
I have that on there too, and it was my first one too. Mayuriga is a show that failed so far to live up to expectations that I even tried having different expectations, and it failed them. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this show before and said that we just... We've tried to look at it from different angles. Uh, certainly I have. Where I, I tried to look at it as a comedy. I've tried to look at it as a, as a horror thing. And I've even tried to look at it as like an ironic thing where like <laughs> none of the parts are actually good but people like it because of that. And I, I cannot see the appeal even like 1%. Yeah. Um, Mayuga fails as a horror because it has way too many like bad gags and like really shitty CG and really dumb monsters. Mm-hmm. It, it it fails as a comedy because it it has too many dumb gags. <laughs> it has well that, but it's like it really doesn't like play into its comedic bits. It it still tries to be this very like real story. Yeah. And then I, I can't like it ironically because it's just actually bad. Like, there's nothing to laugh at with how bad it is. It's just, like, really boring in how bad it is. Yeah. But it just fails on every conceivable level for me. I went back. I tried to do the same. I went back and looked at it in different eyes. Because m- most of the people that ended up liking this say they liked it because it was a farce and not a horror show. And that that's fine, you know. Maybe that is what it was. So I tried to reevaluate it through that scope. And even then, it's like, a lot of the gags, like, they're pretty, they're spread apart pretty far, and a lot of them I don't particularly like to begin with, and a lot of them really, like, drag beyond the point of where their joke would have worked to begin with. Mm -hmm. The only farcical moment that I think genuinely succeeds in this show is... Is the fire Yes. Yeah, where they're trying to, burning at the stake. Yeah. And it's like, no one has any qualms about it, and no one really understands what a ghost is. Yeah, like, first of all, they have no idea how to capture this ghost. And second of all, they're like, oh, these are the things we're going to do to this ghost. (laughs) Like, it's not even a witch hunt. It's like, oh, this person's a ghost, and so we're going to throw salt at it, uh, make crosses, uh, set it on fire. Stake the heart. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that's the one funny part. But other than that, it's just, ugh. Yeah. And, like, even it's, like, psychological elements are really, like, boring, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy who gets chased by a titty tank because he gets silicone put in his head to be taller so he can get into the military. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's also supposed to be a farce, but that is just so... Blah. That is so Seth Rogen tier, <laughs> like, trash. <sighs> I'd almost say that it's... It's closer to succeeding as a horror show than as a comedy show. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, as a comedy, you have to always be doing new stuff. You have to always be doing jokes. Well, not always, but you have to like, keep them coming. Um, but for something to be a good hor- horror, it's more like an inve- an enveloping thing. It has to stay scary instead of uh, being funny in new ways over and over again. And I think it's closer to being that. Like, it has its scary moments that sort of help come close to a degree to enveloping the show in something, in an atmosphere of fear. And there's just enough of that to make me say, okay, I can see how if this was a lot better, it could be a horror show. But it would have to be so much more to be a good farcical comedy. Mm. Then we have another failed comedy on my list, which is Honda Kun. All right. Um, Hanakun has a real bad first ten minutes. 
which mm-hmm. is which is really because it's not even Honda Kun. It's it's a it's a fourth wall breaking joke about how Honda Kun's um like fan club learns that they're getting a, there's a Honda Kun anime coming out, but they don't have access to it, so they make their own and they fight the studio that's making the Honda Kun anime, and it goes on for ten minutes. Oh, um, and I don't. Like, at that point, I don't care about any of these characters or know who they are, so, like, a lot of the jokes about who they are just lose mm-hmm. um, any sense of, like, it, they none of them hit. And, yeah, and then the it starts up, and, like, it's kind of funny that, like, for a, for a Slice of Life show, they're using this really shitty death metal song as the opening, <laughs> but, like, then... But then it just gets into, like, the most sort of rote humor that I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's just the, the joke is that everyone likes Honda Kun, but Honda Kun thinks everyone hates him. So recontextualizes all of these things that happen to him as like horrible things and uh, whatever. Honda uh-huh. Kun really like beefs it. And that first episode was so bad. I didn't want to go back for a second. More like Honda Poon. Damn. I don't know. Like there's one kind of good joke at the end where like they, the, the, his fan club shows, him the anime they made in uh-huh. place of the the one for Diomedia. And it's just like him like being so beefy and strong that he comes from space and like just kills a bunch of people and he's just like, <laughs> What why the fuck did you make this? And that's like that's that's got its its fun bits to it, but it's just like as a as an episode it really stunk. God and damn. so I just didn't want to go back. Ugh. Uh then we have Magical Girl Raising Project. Right. Which I regrettably watched any of and then learned more about as it went on. And it's just like, it it really gives off the sense of just like, not understanding how to make things dark and also like effective. Mm-hmm. Like it's real edgy um, in a way that's just like, oh, this is a thing we could do with a character. That'll be dark and, you know, emotional or whatever. That'll shock him. Yeah, that'll shock him. It's it's all It's all seems for shock value. And also it's, like, really plotting and boring. Uh-huh. Oh, well. Like, it. they spend an entire episode after a character dies learning that characters die, basically. <laughs> like, they, they learn the premise of the show and it takes an entire episode to, like, get it through everyone's head because they have to tell all of the 15 magical girls that are Oh, left. dear. And, like, the action's not particularly good and the characters are all look... The, the characters in their magical girl forms all look like they're 13, which then gets worse when they're, like, sexualizing them and making them drink oh. whiskey. Mm. And, like, it's it's a lot of elements with the characters, like, oh, one of them's actually, like, a 30-year-old who works for the mob, you know? and Or it's like, <laughs> right. oh, this is a pregnant 16-year-old. Oh. Or, oh, this person was bullied in school for being molested. Like, it's... It's this, like, it's like a checkbox of all the bad things you can do to <laughs> characters. But, yeah. like, without really playing into, like, all these characters get their development right before they die. It's, like, a big thing. And I have received at least one comment that's like, oh, you can't criticize it without reading the rest of the books. I've, look, this, this just bad. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to know the other things to know that this is, like, a series I'm not going to enjoy and thought was just, like, actively really bad. I think the only uh, way this could have been good, based on what I've heard about it, is if instead of being killed by whatever, like, I don't know what kills any of these characters, but instead, it's this exact same show, but they get killed by Spawn every time. Uh-huh. Like the comic book character. I think that would be great. 
But um, and then here's the here's I think the the maybe one of the worst things about it, despite all the other worst things I said. Uh-huh. It has a lesbian couple in its group, and like that's it's treated as like a total normal thing, and they have a happy relationship, and then one of them dies from the the game or whatever, mm-hmm. and the second and the the other one in the couple gets so sad that she um that she commits suicide, but the camera zooms in to let you know that yes, she peed herself while committing suicide, and it's just oh, it's the worst like sort of like fetishization going on in the world Mm. and then like one of the main villains is like a 10 year old who just doesn't understand morals and like it's uh every every new thing i learn about it just makes me hate it more (laughs) (laughs) and what i understand is like the other series are not like this but this was just such a miserable experience that i couldn't even imagine i hear that it's actually written worse than it is in the anime which is impressive Jeez. Like, the anime has a bit where a character dies in a big fight, and apparently in the book it's just like, uh, end of chapter to start of chapter, character dies. No, no introduction, no. <laughs> like, this is like a major character, it's just like, and then they were dead. <laughs> Whoops! Oh well. Ugh. Then we have rewrite. Okay. Um, as the kind of sucker who likes the things that, um, key visual arts puts together, like clan ad and stuff... Uh, I was really hoping to like rewrite because it's one of the few things that didn't get uh, an English release and for a long time didn't have a patch for it either so that you could play it um, one way or another. And so I wanted to look into it, but like it's it is it is everything that is bad about visual novel adaptations. God damn it's 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 too fast. Uh, things just go unexplained because they need to they need to move forward. And it, it tries to do all the, all the, all the routes, but, like, they only get, they each only get an episode. And so, like, all this character development stuff is just super fast-paced and unintelligible. Uh, it doesn't look particularly good. It's just, it's just a real slog. Damn. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they made that second season to do all the, like, bonus routes. I don't know. I would like to look at the game at some point, and I hear that there's... And there might be an English release coming, so maybe. But I, I that anime was just, ugh, it was a nightmare. The anime itself needed a rewrite, it feels like. God damn, you're right. And then finally we have Big Order. Um, yeah, I have this one too. Even as the kind of person who's like, oh, you know, Mirai Nikki is like really trashy in a fun way, right? Mm-hmm. As, as a manga, that's that's how I feel. Um, Big Order also kind of clicked the same way, at least to start when I was reading it, before it got a little too, uh, I think that guy is just, like, he's alright at writing horror, and then everything else is, like, when he tries to do Big Order, it's supposed to be, like, action and stuff, it, it kind of falls apart. Yeah. Like, he's much better at sort of the suspense bit. He's very good at suspense, yeah, that's the one thing I'll give him. And so uh, it the, it a lot of big order just kind of fails for not playing into that strength. Hmm. Um. And I think big order also had like a really good cold open to its anime adaptation that doesn't show up in the manga at all. Just the way that it opens up and shows sort of the destruction of the world and like the yeah. the imagery that goes along with it is really good, and then just like falls apart immediately. Um. And like. They have to do this anime-only ending because they only get ten episodes or whatever, and apparently it's even more rushed and nonsense than the uh, than the original, which is 
uh, impressive. It's just it's just a really bad adaptation of a series that I, I I did end up going like, oh, this really isn't you know even like fun enough as a trashy thing. Yeah, and it it's weird that this even happened at this point because like Mirai Nikki, the animation happened after it was done. They did the whole thing, right? And they got twenty six episodes. This this feels in some ways like a contractual obligation. <laughs> <laughs> like like sort of a you have to do one more album before you can get off this label sort of thing uh-huh. where it's like oh we we said we'd do the, this guy's work and it's just like not finishing so we just got to do it now or whatever like that's how it felt to me um because it only got 10 episodes its website is built off of the mirai nikki website like you go to mirai slash big order like in in what world does that is that okay and so yeah it's just it's real slipshod and i think like especially the 3d is fucking abysmal yeah it is i just thought it was complete hack trash that was had no redeeming qualities at all like the art is not interesting all the characters are super lame like the premise is so like basic in a weird way like, oh, there's all these characters that are really strong in a weird way. Like, that's it. That is the whole premise of the show. And you could do something with that, though. I, like, I guess we have to do something more with it than just, that's it. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it succeeds, but... Yeah. And then all the powers are just, like, weird, but not weird in a fun way. Just weird in a... This is, like, something that a five-year-old would come up with and think is cool way. It's a real knockoff JoJo sort of feeling with their powers. Yeah. Like, it, it wants to be sort of the, like, conceptual stuff that JoJo's does, where, like, you know, the main character's one is that, like, wherever he walks, he builds this, like, you know, influence place where he can tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. Which, like, there's, there is, there is a JoJo's in there as the conceptual, but it's never played with in a particularly interesting way, like JoJo sometimes does. Yeah. Like, all of it's just played super straight, and just, like, some of the powers are just, like, real basic and light. It's just, there, I I see that there is potential there, and some of it's, like, schlocky in a fun way, but on a whole, it's just kind of bad. And man, the sexualization of that black lady. Oof. That was, like, some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in anime. And yeah. So was that it? Was that all five? That's all five. All right. Well, I've got three different ones. I also had my Uyga and Big Order, but I also have on here Berserk. And I already mentioned that it was super disappointing. Um, and you only have to like look at it to see why that is, because it's super ugly. But okay, so there's a, a take out there that a lot of people find themselves in. And that is, it's an ugly show. And they see that and they agree with that. But they say it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's still Berserk and anything that's Berserk is going to be good. And I just don't think that's true. Like they fumbled the source material on so many levels. Like, yeah, the visuals are bad, but then they also like cut apart the story in this really weird way. Almost like they intentionally tried to cut out all the good character development bits. (laughs) Uh, Like, for example, there's a part. At the end of the first episode, which is from the end of chapter two of the manga, where Guts talks about how all humans are weak and I don't like being around people because I don't like seeing them being weak and getting owned all the time. And it's just, (laughs) in the anime, it just sounds like he is a super edgy psychopath. And it's mega lame. And it's a bad capstone to an episode. Uh, And in the manga, there's also that. But it's like the third time he's given that speech already. 
And at this point, it, like, it's become super obvious that he's just lying to himself, that he does care, and that he just needs something to shield himself from, like, the tragedy of the world. And there's all sorts of stuff like that that are just cut completely. There's a super important arc that's probably the most important to establishing what Guts is post the uh, eclipse, like the big apocalypse event that is not in the anime at all. And it's, man, they just, they worked over that story and they just kind of cut and pasted it and they, you know, they just made an anime that's not the good core of Berserk with some bad scoops of bad anime slapped on top of it. It's a lot of the good stuff of Berserk cut out and replaced with bad anime stuff. And that's just, that's unforgivable, man. Like, goddamn. And I think from what you said, like, they put a, they put a real emphasis on, like, the sexual assault stuff. Not really. That's just, there's just a lot of it in Berserk. But it, okay, it does rub me the wrong way that they cut out an entire super important story arc and then left out this horse that sexually assaults a lady or left that in, like, where in the world were the priorities on, on the show? I do not... Like, they didn't just goof it with Berserk. I feel like they didn't get Berserk at all. Because this is this is just not what Berserk is. Not just because it's way worse, but it's just so different and so lame and flaccid. Mm -hmm. And that's why, it's on, that's why it's on this worst anime shortlist. The next up, maybe like the pick that I had to second guess myself on the most, it's Days? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because just looking back on it, I was like, man, is this anime really that bad? And I was like, yeah, I guess, because there's nothing really good about it other than that it looks good most of the time. It's just a bunch of non-characters doing just the most it's-been-done stuff in sports anime ever. And then, like, that one episode where it's the the sort of ice queen character getting melted by the main character's incredible motivation to get better at what he does. That really just cemented this to me as like the most boring hack trash, you know, just like big order. Yeah. But for sports, like you said before, it's like, he's doing the stuff that like any actual like person who knows like sports and fitness would advise against, but like, because he's got so much dedication to be becoming less trash. It's like, Oh, well then it's okay. And that's how yeah. he like, Gets everyone on his side, but it's like, it's garbage. Yeah, and it's weird because that's already, that's a story that a lot of sports manga cover. You know, Ice Shield 21 does that, Haikyuu does that a little bit. Um, Ace of Diamond has, has flights of that. But that's like every, that's like every episode for the first six episodes. Right. It's so much of this show and it never changes. But then you also just look at it, you know, all those other shows, they do stuff on top of that and they handle it in a different way. And then this series came after all of that and strips out anything that could be interesting and just leaves the bare minimum of a story and it's just not interesting. This show did the opposite of Waking We Up and put me to sleep. <laughs> Man, Wake We Up's a good name for an OP though. Yeah, it is. They did a good job on that one. Especially because the, the name of the band is like Howling Be Quiet or something. Yeah. And then the final one... uh, this one is almost filler, but then again, it does deserve to be here, I think. It's Awoni, the animation. <laughs> Which is just such an unfunny flop based on such a fringe property. Like, I don't even really understand why they made this. <laughs> and, like, they're also making that movie. Yeah, oh man, the movie. But it's not related to this at all. Like, 
It's like if they made like a triple X like comedy series leading up to that new triple X movie. <laughs> the new triple X movie. You know what I think is really funny? Can you believe that there's a new triple X movie coming out? Yes, but you know what's more funny than that is that there's a new Underworld movie and it's currently the highest grossing movie of 2017. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It would have to be, you know, because what other movies came out so far? I just think that's a really funny fact. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is Aoni really a franchise that needed to be kept alive? Like, needed to be kept propped up before the big movie release? I don't know, because they also had those other two movies that sucked. Oh, man. And it's just like it's just a really bad use of the property to begin with like Aoni is a game that i don't like but i do have a certain it has a place in my heart i think there's a lot of funny things they could have done with it like i think i already uh pitched this but i think they could have done a great joke about how you can get the Aoni stuck in a loop uh, like moving around a a couch so mm-hmm. you can like uh run down the timer after which he stops chasing you like that there's so much potential for, like, good humor or funny in-jokes, but instead it's just, ha, he's there, he's killing people. And then his butt is in the outro. <laughs> that butt's good. Yeah, that's the only good part of this show. Oh. But yeah, um, man, you know what? Uh, unrelated, speaking of uh, returns to uh, to horror franchises, hear about that new American Rings movie? Yes. It's on the internet now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is you like watch a YouTube video that kills you. I think it's a prequel to the old movies. Wait, how? Yeah, right. Or no one's using VHSs in twenty twenty or whatever. Or maybe it's a reboot, man. I don't know. It would have to be a reboot. That movie looks really bad. <laughs> if you get this private YouTube video, don't watch it. Uh... Actually, they'd probably host it on some <laughs> weird site that people couldn't access really well, like Daily Motion. Yeah, like Vidler. <laughs> Vimeo. <laughs> they oh, just you watch this. <laughs> go ahead. You carry... No, your Koana was. <laughs> if you watch it on Hulu, and like <laughs> only three people die, and no one knows. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah, that looks bad. Anyways, um, so worst anime, we definitely don't have the same one. So let's no. start out. Not going to say that my worst anime of the year is Magical Girl Raising Project because I wasn't even really into it before watching it, and I watched it. So that I could do that Halloween episode and just became even more, like, disgusted with it as a Mm -hmm. series. Just for being so, like, exploitative and, like, needlessly edgy as this sort of thing. And I actually got, like, really depressed when people propped it up because it has, like, a a healthy uh, gay relationship in it. And I'm like, oh... Couldn't you do that with any other series? Like, literally any? <laughs> like, I know there aren't many things to go for, but Magical Girl Raising Projects is not the sort of thing we need to applaud for having that. Especially when they sexualize one of the dead ones because she peed herself. That is not, I, that's not healthy. And it's just... Uh... For me, it's Berserk. And I, I think I already made it pretty clear earlier when I said it's like a top 10 ugliest anime of all time. That was actually me misremembering my own opinion, because I think it's in the top 10 worst anime I've ever seen, easily. And that's weird, right? Because you think, if you're adapting Berserk, you have a big head start. And they, like, pulled back on that head start, and then started running backwards across the track. And even when everybody was telling them to stop and turn around, they didn't. And it was just bad the whole way through. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I like that we basically picked the same show for different audiences. Yeah. 
I've got a, uh, I've got a magical girl show that's needlessly edgy, and you have Berserk, which got turned needlessly edgy. Yeah. And bad. Ugh. It's weird, because in a way, it's, it's almost, they made it a little, they made it a little more tame in a lot of weird ways. Like, they made Guts into kind of just, like, a boring guy who's there, just like a generic hard-ass. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, early Guts is a pretty interesting, like, weird psychopath, but there's something more going on character. Mm-hmm. But they just left all of that out, and they, like, they left all the explanation of why he's like that out, and then also just didn't make him like that at all. It's really weird. Okay. It's like they tried to make a best of Berserk, just having all the, the coolest moments and just leave out everything else. Um, except they didn't have any of the actual good bits of the show. Like, it was... <laughs> they had some, but it was a lot of, like, the stuff that's just not interesting. Damn. Bad shows this year. Yeah. Coming off of the worst anime, we've actually turned our best anime of 2016 list into two lists. Mm-hmm. Um, because last year we felt like we didn't give a lot of attention to a wide breadth of shows. Yeah. Like we felt like for the most part, we ended up picking a lot of the like artsy, emotional, deep shows and not giving a lot of love to more like lighter narratives. Mm-hmm. And also I was worried that it was always going to be like that. Like the, the, the deeper shows, the shows with more narrative ambition, for me, at least, we're always going to win out over the lighter shows that maybe succeeded just as much as what at what they set, set out to do. And that's not right. So we've put together two lists. One is the best prestige anime, and then the other one is the best light anime. And let me tell you, we, we, we had a lot of words back and forth about what we were going to name these things, and I think this is the best one we came up with. Yeah. Uh, prestige is like complex in a way like some way artsy sort of like doing something different with a narrative than expected or just like being a subject matter that isn't handled much yeah it's sort of what we're looking for there where light anime is a lot more where the the slice of life and sort of like silly action would go Mm -hmm. and even if emotional stuff hits there it's it's that it comes from a more simplistic um viewpoint than something that would end up in prestige and i actually have uh, a quick talk about that with some of my picks yeah but jordan since you're the artsy one of the two of us yeah why don't you start us off for the best prestige anime of 2016 all right i will first up on my prestige list is erased and it's also on my list all right and i think in a way I wasn't, like, super sure where to put this because it is a very straightforward show. Like, it's a big crowd-pleaser of a show. It, it's a it's a real, like, Hollywood blockbuster sort of thing. Yeah, I was thinking maybe more, like, HBO TV show, but definitely, like, it has it has its twists, but it's straightforward in, in, the, in what you can expect from a show. But, man, what a crowd-pleaser. Like, it's just, every part of it is amazing. It looks good. It has good music, it's well-directed, It has the, the story is great, it's got a great hook. Um, I was always on the edge of my seat, like this is, I think, one of the few shows this year where I was really waiting to watch the next episode every single time. Mm-hmm. It was just, it handled everything so delicately, like even the extremely strange subject matter of Satoru, who is an adult falling in love, maybe, with the little girl, like just... 
they handled it with, with such a fine silken touch um, that I think it ended up still being really good. And it never gets, like, creepy. Yeah. Because there's no subject matter that I think inherently has to go unused. But I think normally, old guy falls in love with a kid. You know, that's that's off-putting, just hearing that, especially with anime. But they did it well here, and they did a lot of stuff like that, like child abuse, um child-parent trust, like, a lot of genuine dark issues that are maybe, like, a little scary to touch are handled in the show, and they're handled really well. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people will agree that the ending didn't quite live up to expectations, but, you know, like, I think just the entire narrative of, um, Kayo is, is super well handled. Yeah. I don't think I would have felt anything for the ending at all if they hadn't spent all that extra time making that Kaio arc so strong. Yeah. Um, because it does, it does really get you emotional and it makes, and at that time you still don't know who it could be. And it's making you think about all these different things. Um, and it just, yeah, it handles its subject matter. Well, like there's, there's stuff about a child abuse in there. That's, that's really well done and not like, it doesn't feel like it's there just to be like, Oh, to make you feel for this character, it's like a very real situation. Yeah. It has respect for all of its characters, which I think is really important. Yeah, and even at the point where, like, the mother feels regretful when Kaio's being taken away, it never, like, goes out of its way to be like, and so you see, it's the love that's important and not the fact that she's a horrible abuser. Like, the big part is that she is still a bad person. Yeah. But that, you know... You know, it's it still presents her as not a good person, which I think is really important because it's so easy for narratives like that to be like, oh, because they did it for the right reasons, it's okay that they did the wrong things. No. And so I think that it handles that really well. And just like as a mystery, it, it does a good job of kind of hiding itself till the till the uh, to the reveal, I think. Um, I don't I don't know if I agree with that, uh, because uh, for just a by bit, process. I think no because for a bit i think yeah. i know you you're saying process of elimination but that's because they like i was for sure thinking it was going to be the the boyfriend of kaio's mom okay but as soon as he stopped appearing in the show it's like oh well there's really only one adult left and that's the problem yeah i think they did a good job with it uh if only because just because something doesn't end up being surprising doesn't mean it's not good I think that's something mm. that a lot of people get hung up on when I don't think they should. Because that gets in the way of a lot of uh, potential appreciation for a story. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. Um, there, there's there been a bit of a backlash against this show. People saying, oh, it wasn't actually that good as we thought when we were watching it. But I will go to bat for the show and those people can eat dirt. Erase Especially for the start. Like, the start is still, like, super, super good, even if it doesn't stick the landing. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'll go I'll go to bat to the show till the day I die. You know, and so much of the narrative is about how like Satoru really didn't grow up and him learning to do that as a kid, like there's a juxtaposition there that's really well done. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good show. I I I loved it a lot as I was watching it and yeah, it didn't stick the landing, but like so much of that anime was like a real, you know, like, you know, metaphorical page turner. Yeah. Yeah, like, the ending doesn't dictate everything. Um, and it's easy to think that, because, you know, it's the last thing you see. Like, that's the capstone, but... And there are some endings that definitely do ruin a thing. But I think it, this one, it's just, like, it missed a step, rather than yeah. being actually bad. 
Right. Next up on the list, we have Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. I also have this on my list. Mm-hmm. We actually have the same order so far. Oh, this is weird. Uh, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> well, I know we don't have the exact same list, so that's okay. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> this is a show that is... So this is what I was talking about earlier when I said all everything on my best anime list is dad anime. Because that's what this is. <laughs> well, I, I guess this is mom anime, but you know what I'm talking about. This is, yeah, this uh, is extremely parent anime. This is showing how old we are in our tastes. Th- this is such, like, down-to-earth, like, down-to-brass-tacks, stripped-away, pure character drama. But it's perfect all the way through. Like... I mean, you know, it looks good, it has the good music, it's well-presented, well-directed, but just the writing and the presentation of the drama itself is great, and it goes through so many different stages, and it, it makes sense, and it connects to each other all the way, and it's, man, it's, a, it's such an inviting narrative. It, it gets you in there, and it's really good. Yeah, and it's got, like, real complex characters going on for it, and, like, it's, it's happy not to reveal a lot of stuff about them. Yeah, which is I think the most interesting part. Like you have to you have to connect a lot of pieces together yourself in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And the way that it takes like this this art form that especially for uh, Western viewers is just going to be completely alien. Yeah, and finds a way to make it interesting and insert it into the narrative in such a way that not only plays into its own themes, you know, but also has like its own artistic merit to it. Is great. Is great. And I love I love a lot of the character work in those two because most of the core cast is kind of a bad person. Like pretty much everyone mm-hmm. in the core cast is a bad person. But not in like really overt ways and not in ways that are like completely unjustifiable or like difficult to understand. They're all very much like, yeah, I feel that to a degree. I feel why you're like that, even though I think you're a real piece of trash. And that's an achievement, especially if you have to do that for multiple characters. Yeah, like, they all have their huge, huge character flaws, but all of them play into the narrative in kind of interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And I still felt for them. And really make it so that, like, these characters are, like, uh, are foils for each other, especially in the, between, uh, the main two. Yeah. It's, it's good, yeah. Um, Shogun Roku is, like, such a, was such a surprise hit because, again, it's about something that just, like, has no connection for Western audiences, but I think a lot of people can agree that it just had this huge uh, pull together. Yeah, yeah. I, they they play with the the style of the manga well. Yeah, and really turn into animation. Like you can see some shortcuts, but like Dean seems to be really putting their A to B game on this one. Yeah, and the new season looks even better. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up on the list, we have Joker game. Wow, we're the same. We're still the same. Oh my god, same order too. Yeah. Uh this sucks. But then, okay, I think then maybe we might actually have the exact same list because this is the one that I thought wasn't going to be on yours. No, I bet I think number five is going to be the one that changes. But continue. All right. All right. Well, Joker game is interesting because I thought the first episode, especially, but the second episode as well, was just like complete trash. Like, I was a little steamed at the end of episode one, because it was exactly the type <laughs> of thing I don't like. Um, but then they kind of pretty much just put that by the wayside. They were like, okay, actually, this, you know, forget about all that. We're just going to tell some good-ass, mostly disconnected, interesting World War II-era spy stories, 
and they did and it was great and it was pretty and it was it was they were all tense and it was a good show yeah like it it drops the whole like school of spy things pretty quick which um mm-hmm. is unfortunate given that it gives two episodes to that but like also starts playing into like just how sort of japanese some of the stuff is going to be because it does play into a lot of like world war ii era sensibilities yeah um and not in like and not in like a nationalistic way and not in like a an apologistic way that i think a number of people you know had concerns about going in but uh joker game has a lot of cool vignettes about different perspectives on you know pieces of the war and stuff and it's about exploring the space instead of having commentary yeah you know and it plays into a lot of issues of the time like it you know with the the episode where they're in china like it Mm -hmm. plays into sort of like illegal gambling and prostitution and stuff and you know the the sort of like civil unrest that goes on with that and what causes you know these countries to fail in wartime yeah i think i just really like japanese stories that take place in world war ii because it's such a different perspective not just because they fought on the other side compared to most western countries Mm -hmm. but also because it was so different to them than it was for us because if you listen to our grandparents uh they were in like they were in there they were in the thick of it and for them it mostly just meant things were different because people were leaving or because stuff was leaving like people and resources whereas in the west it's because more things were happening and i think that's i think that's really interesting taking a look at that and seeing just how the war affected a country that had a perspective on it that no other country really did Mm -hmm. yeah uh i think joker game's cool Uh, a lot of people seem to turn on it for reasons that we liked it which is weird what do you mean like I hear a lot of people that were like, oh, I didn't like the the episodic nature of it, and we didn't get to learn anything about the characters, but, like, I thought the episodic nature was cool because it's a whole bunch of different types of spy stories. Yeah. Like, infiltration and escape and just, like, blending in and stuff, like, that's done super well, and, like, I think it's sort of the point that these characters aren't really characters, yeah, like they're basically disposable. Like every episode could have been about the same person and it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, like that I think that's a lot of the thing they talk about too is like the 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 big thing about it is that you just don't get caught and like so it doesn't matter who you are. The only thing is that you do your job. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the whole contrast between the army and them which comes up numerous times in I think a good way. And Joker game just handles a lot of different subject matter, like even some like really heartwarming stuff in its spy narrative. Like that's yeah. cool. Like it, it's always a different story, and I think that's really good. Like even the episode where one of them just dies, and it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, it didn't matter which one it was. One of them died, and you know it was in the middle of a mission, and so there's this like retrieval aspect to it. It's cool. Ah, and like. You know, the history between these other characters is really neat as they develop that. Uh, I don't know. Joker game's good and people are wrong. Oh, damn. Uh, next up, number four for me is Battery. Ah, uh, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, no. It's the, it's the same list. But also, let's, let's say Battery is also one where I think people don't get it. This is, where, this is the one where people are extremely wrong, in my opinion. And this is why you come to Coco Disaster for the real different, unique takes. Right, like, battery is actually good. <laughs> like, 
Okay, people aren't just ambivalent to battery. I think on my anime list, it has a show of like 4.6. Like, that's abysmally low. That's Garzy's wing level. Yeah. Of people think this show is bad. And I don't get it, man. The show is great. It's some of the like heaviest character stuff i would i've ever seen in a sports show you know yeah like it's so easy to make a show just about oh this guy's great and he's great at sports and he doesn't really care about anything really like he doesn't even really love baseball that much it's just what he does and then take that and really take a look at what it, what it means and what what that means for him and for everyone around him and for his team and they just kept it real they kept it so real like all the characters were really human which is weird for a children's story yeah but yeah it's just great and like uh, so i'm looking at it it's a 5.9 that's still pretty okay bad. that's still damn low that's less than berserk and like i a lot of people i think the we we talked about this issue before but it just does not tell a a, a standard narrative which no. i think is a is damning to it for the average viewer yes not even for the average viewer just for most for viewers people yeah yeah because like you have to really like search for the development because it's all in characters. Yeah. The the trappings around it might as well not exist. The it's so much about the characters and their development and sure not all of it not all of it hits. Like there we we've talked before about how like the whole like abuse bit ends up like not doing anything. Mhm. Um and I think that's a big shame because they make such a big deal out of it to start. Yeah. But I think it the, it develops these very interesting characters and creates these foils for them and is just so much about these like these duos in sport that's really good yeah um, yeah i just i don't understand i don't want like i don't want to harp on this too hard uh, mm -hmm. but i don't understand the notion that something has to develop to be good because there is development in the show to begin with but even then what if at the start of the show and at the end of the show the characters are still exactly the same if we just spend 12 episodes exploring what they are, can't that in theory be enough? I think it can, and it is. That's that's what makes this show good. It's we how deep we go into how the characters work and why they are the way they are and how they interact. I think the best thing about it is that it at the very beginning it's like all serious about how um Takami has to be the best and like get this no-hitter and kind of be better than everyone expects him to be. And by mm -hmm. the end, he makes the realization that that does not matter even a little bit. Yeah. And I think if you ignore the, like, post credit stuff, that's exactly how it comes off. Like, the, the scene cuts before we know whether or not he was able to hit a strike on that guy or not. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. And that's beautiful. I think, this, I think the thing is, the story is just is too small for a lot of people to like. And that's fine. You know, I get that. Yeah. But I don't agree. I'm surprised how many people disagree to give it a 5.9. Yeah. Like, that's a really low score. Like, 7. I actually, like, uh, pretty actively went to check this out the other, uh, a while ago. And it was, like, almost eerie how hard 7.0 is the cutoff date for from decent to bad anime. Like, if something has lower than a 7 on Mal, it's not worth watching. Like, pretty universally. Mm -hmm. uh, and a 5.9 for this show, like, damn, that means people have to had to actively think, this sucks, man. And I don't know where they got it from. Yeah, and I saw a lot of discussion to that, to that degree. Yeah. That's a bummer. And I think this show killed 
<laughs> Amazon's like anime plans in a lot of ways. Because <laughs> no one watched it. They should have. Yeah, and now it's behind a $5 paywall on top of everything else. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Oh. And then the last one uh, is Funebo Amu, the great There we passage. go, there's the one to, There's the one. Oh, okay, you don't have this on the list? No, I have a different one and I'll talk about it. That's fine. I mean, you know, here we go again with the boring dad anime. I did like Funewamu though. Yeah. But yeah, this is your this is your extremely dad pick. This is the super dad pick. Um I love words and I love a big, <laughs> like long scale character drama about words. And I just think this show is actually really different from a lot of the other shows that aired this year. And for one, because it's just about really whatever subject matter, but it was also a very theatrical like very basic character drama like nothing was in a lot of ways it wasn't out of the ordinary it was all in the execution it was just about a character falling in love and the trials and tribulations of him doing his job but the moment to moment of it and the dialogue it was just so great and man the animation and the music it was just a show that really came together to be something much better than what it could have been if it had been less, which I think I mean, that's a really bad way to put it, but uh, it, it really they got the most out of what the show could have been, um, and I, I, I thought it was really lovely. Yeah, it's a good. It was a good, good show. Yeah. So, what was your last pick? My last pick. So it's erased, Rock Go, Joker Game, Battery, and my last pick was Orange. Oh right, right. And Not Orange is one that I I could see the argument for putting it on the light list but i think the way it handles its emotions is a lot more complex and a little more like in depth than what i would put on uh the light show because orange is about regret in a big way and things that you just don't have control over yeah and while it it wraps itself in this romance story it's so much more than that because i think it it does a good job of avoiding uh, that sort of trope where it's like, oh, you know, romance, you know, this one person that you end up falling in love with will fix everything about you. And it it eschews that for, like, not getting them together even at the end of the series, but being so much more about the the, like, support group of friends that you make that can help you open up and and help you move forward. Not move on, but move forward. Yeah. And it's it's such this it's this big narrative that uh I I, I think it's not it's the sort of thing that isn't handled the same way in a lot of other st- dr- dramatic stories like this that are about regret and being unable to ch- you know change things. Yeah, it got really heavy. Yeah, it got it got super heavy and it's like the the whole bit with Kakeru where he it shows the alternate timeline where he ends up killing himself mm-hmm. shows just how important it is that he has this support group and that it's not just about the one person it's about everyone around him being unable to accept his change and his depression like in such a big way and it it just oh it's so good like i i've i've come around a bit more it's like i'm not i'm not as charmed by like the the explanation of why this future, you know, the the letters going to the past happened. Mm-hmm. But I think it also is like that just like the letters are a good narrative device of like, 
because it's not as clear cut as just like, oh, I have notes for the entire future. Like, as soon as you start changing something, you can't always follow it. And these characters have issues where they think this isn't the right thing to do. And, you know, they mess up or they find a new opening. Like, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the drama. Yeah. And I think it handles its emotions in a really good way. All right. Also, minus the sports uh, the sports festival arc, it looked really good, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it did. One little misstep, but I think that I, I love the way the characters pop and just like their general designs and they're... They're all a fun cast. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure we have the same answer for this one. I think so too. And it's the it's it is the uh, let's say popular vote is of it? this of this group of five. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. And it's Shoag and Roku Rakugo Shinju. Yep. Once again, the Coco Disaster Hive Mind is at it. Right. Once again, we've we our artsy show like last year with Death Parade. We've picked the same one. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think the show is artsy in the same way. Like it's definitely not. No, a, but they both a... be they both be in our prestige list. Oh yeah, totally. So yeah, um, Shogun Roku is just like a really strong narrative. Mm-hmm. It's got it's it's got some really great characters to it. Even like the characters that you're meant to hate, like you see these sort of like these emotional bits that still make you like feel bad for those characters like um uh yure i think even she has these moments where like you understand where she's coming from when she does the the bad thing she does that causes all of the conflict yeah absolutely and there's just these there's this these very complex character um motivations going on and the way that they develop and it's just it's just really good and the the way they present the stories is really good because it's very um, uncut in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, they're willing to just make you sit for several minutes listening to this, like, you know, one-man play sort of thing going on. Yeah, that's pretty bold, I think. Especially with how much of it there is in the show. Yeah, because, like, there are two or three in the first episode, and they're long. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the director's cut of that episode that showed up on Blu-rays is, like... 150 times or 150 percent longer oh my god like they have so much to do with that and that's cool in a lot of ways it's a good good show i think no show this year had had a a more interesting story had better beats more like better developed characters it was just rock solid and it's at the top of the list it's best prestige anime of 2016 yeah undisputed undisputed between us two Yes. And now it's time for the best light anime. Mm-hmm. I'll start this out. My 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 first pick is one that I went back and forth on a lot, let's say. Okay. The thing that didn't make it is Natsume Yujincho, and I ended up dropping that just because it is a continuation of a thing I like a lot, so I, I don't feel fair putting it in here as, a, as the fifth when something else made me feel good and was, like, new. Alright, well, stop keeping me in suspense. Tell it's My Hero Academia, number five. Alright, that's on my list, too. Ah, cool. Yeah, I talked about it before. My Hero Academia really didn't feel like my thing when I started it out, but it it does a good job with all of its characters and, like, general plot stuff and just making you feel like this world is huge 
and interesting. It makes this world out of superpowers and like not all of them are cool and not all of them are interesting and that's okay. <laughs> like, you know, some people can just like shoot a normal amount of water or whatever. Like these very like, oh, just people have quirks sometimes and some of them are really cool and meant for heroing and some of them are just really convenient or whatever. Yeah. And that's nice is that it, it's willing to play with the formula of superpowers in that way. Yeah. I think this was by far just the most rock solid, fun, like big emotion shonen show that came out this year. And it looked great too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up on my list is Planetarian, which no one watched, which what the fuck? But it was, <laughs> you know, it was on Funny. It was an it was an ONA, so it didn't show up on a lot of the like anime charts uh, well, there or anime go. schedules. But I loved Planetarian. Again, I, I'm a real sucker for like real like um sappy emotional sort of garbage and planetarian does that in spades um and in space and in space well they talk about space and it's i don't know like it it does a twist on the normal key formula where key is so much about like taking innocent characters and forcing them to grow up and like kind of learn to deal with the harsh realities of the world while still keeping that uh, some sense of innocence to them Uh And Planetarian is about, like, when everything is at its absolute worst, because they're basically in, like, the the fallout of a a pseudo-nuclear war. Um, It's about finding the things to still latch onto when there's just no hope left in the world. And I think Planetarian does that super well. Its format is perfect because it's not set to be 24-minute, you know, certain number of episodes. It's five episodes, and all of the all of the episodes are long enough to tell the beat. They don't have to do any filler to fit it in. Everything is as long as it needs to be, and I think that's something that a lot of other shows could benefit from. Mm-hmm. Is like not having to feel like they need to fill out the full length of a show. Yeah. Uh, then next up, I have Flying Witch. I have this one too. Flying Witch is just like. This this year, I think it was the quintessential sort of, like, no-consequence slice-of-life thing. Yeah, just a straightforward feel-good anime. Yeah, it's it's got some high school antics. It's got a little bit of, like, sort of, like, down-to-earth magic stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they meet a space whale, and it's, you know, it's this huge, majestic sort of thing. And all the time, it's just got this real sense of wonder in the way that it develops things like, oh, you know, this... This cafe's got a ghost. Oh, you know, they you know, it's got all these like here's a surprise kind of thing. Like nothing is ever exactly the same from episode to episode. Yeah. And the magic is down to earth and like fantastic in its simplicity in a lot of ways more than it's like, oh wow, look at that cool thing that happened. Mhm. And it's got a great core cast of characters. Yeah. Uh it its first episode is really indicative because it has that good Mandrake bit. Um like, that's the first bit where I was thinking, yeah, I'm really in on this show, <laughs> is the part where they pull out the mandrake, and it's got this disgusting movement, and, like, she's just no-nonsense giving it to someone, like, hey, check this out, look at the mandrake, and then it's like, no. No, I don't want this. Yeah, and it's great. I think my favorite part of this show was definitely the the world surrounding it. Like, mm-hmm. I think all of the magic bits all look so cool, like, especially the, the harbinger of spring and the whale. I was just super invested into learning more about all the stuff that's going on with regards to magic in the show. 
that's great. And like you said, the characters are all lovely and fun to be around. It's just a good, no-nonsense, having-a-good-time show. Yeah. Uh, next up is Sweetness and Lightning. As a single-parent narrative, I just absolutely adored it because it, it handles so much about being a single parent. Like, feeling like you have to be the role of both a, a mother and a father. And trying to come up with these different ways of, like, making up for insufficiencies. And in particular, like, cooking, like, realizing that a lot of what this dad does is he just makes, like, frozen food, basically. Yeah. And learning to connect with his daughter via this cooking and stuff and all these other situations that come out of being a single parent. And I think that's really cool. And I think it does a really good job of also just being a story that is about how hard it can be to be a parent. Because, like, even the dad messes up and he admits to it, which I think is a super important thing, like... That parents aren't always right when they do something. Yeah. Like the, like the dad, you know, messes up at some point because his daughter's making a scene, which is bad. But he yells at her in the middle of this restaurant and he realizes, oh, that was a really bad thing to do. I lost my temper. And it's a, hey, I did something wrong. But also you have to realize that I did this because, you know, you were also acting up. And so it's a, it's a learning lesson for both uh, children and parents. And I think that's that's what part of its narrative is so interesting, is how willing it is to deal with those sorts of very, like, pedestrian issues. Mm-hmm. It's just, ah, oh, it was a really good show. And um, not that it affected the score, but I looked at the manga, and that every chapter for the first, like, couple volumes just has a recipe at the end of it, which is super cool, like, teaching you how to make what they oh. did. That's cute. Yeah. And then the last one on this uh, light anime is Lupin the Third, uh, Part 4. Alright, I have this one too. Uh, God bless Italy for funding this, or whatever they did, because, you know, (laughs) Italy had a big part in making this, because that's where it takes place. And it's just, Lupin the Third is a ton of fun in the action, and Part 4 is everything great about Lupin without the really unfortunate um, time period racism that a lot of the other ones do, and like sexism and stuff, like... It avoids a lot of the, like, really skeevy, out-of-date elements of the old Lupin, and ends up having a lot of fun with it in a new setting that's beautiful. Like, the art is just gorgeous. Um, TMS did a great job of, like, not only capturing sort of the beauty of Italy, but also placing these characters into it in a very interesting and creative ways. And they all, and they're, all of the episodes feel distinct and interesting, and even if the, like, main plotline isn't, like, super engrossing all the time and kind of a little like too ridiculous in some cases i think what it does with its characters and the way that it plays with all these different styles of plot is really good yeah i thought it was really good too i we don't get anime like this anymore that are just really like super light just fun characters go on an adventure and get into wacky antics and this is about as good as that sort of anime could ever be i think yeah. Uh it had it has the fun characters, it has the funny situations, you know, it looks great. Um Toei can really learn something from just like making your revivals worthwhile on their own, as opposed to the Digimon movies, which are just like ugly and bad. Like this was really just good solid stuff. And I only I don't even like most of the old Lupin stuff. Like I think the woman called Fujiko Mine is really good, but I don't really like any of the old shows. I had a great time with this one. Yeah, and I think it does a good job not only of, like, making it a a solid, like, ensemble cast, but also when they are on their own. 
it mm-hmm. it's really good. Like the the episode just with um Daisuke Jigen. That was a in great like one. the in yeah. the city without guns sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's just fucking cool and like really evocative. Like it it also plays with like a lot of different themes and emotions in a very cool way. Yeah. What a good show. What a good show. So what's on your list? Uh, let's see. I also have Flying Witch and My Hero Academia and Lupin the Third. And on top of that, I also have Haikyuu Season 2. Um, you know, Haikyuu is just... It's probably the, the best thing running in Shonen Jump right now, I'd say. Um, is there, or maybe not anymore with the arc it's currently doing, but like the first couple years of publication are just like this damn good... Just like one of the best sports shows ever written. It's got the great characters that you can relate to, but that have and that have flaws that are understandable, and the way they play off each other is fantastic. The way they play off the antagonists is great too. And I think season two is really where they got all the basic character building out of the way, and that's where the story really starts. And we get to see how everyone like faces off against certain issues and how they deal with all these different situations. We get all the interesting games where we like to see character strengths and weaknesses come into play and how they deal with like overcoming those weaknesses and playing into their own strengths. And that's great. And it looks beautiful and it's got the funky music. And I thought it was lovely. And that Albo Show sign match is just like a really good of like the foils on opposite teams having to play each other and a real like mm-hmm. test of their limits in a way that like that third season just didn't feel like. Like this Alba Josai just felt like a a much stronger contender as a villain. Yeah. And I guess villain isn't right because I I I ended up liking those characters, but you know. Yeah. And then stuff like playing a match against a team that's not very good, that just like gets their ass kicked by the main characters. You know, that's kind of weird, but they handled it really well. Yeah, the 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 yellow jersey team. Yeah. Yeah, like I came to like them even though like the whole point was just like they're kind of a filler team, like there's still stuff going on with them, and they kind of find their stride at the very end to try to become better. Mm-hmm. They get their own little mini arc, and it's lovely. Yeah. It's just a damn good, pol- well-polished shonen sports show. And then the last one is Tanaka-kun is always listless. I already talked about this, but it was just definitely the funniest show I watched this year. And I, th- like, I was really charmed by it. It had a-, a pacing to it that I could really find myself in, because I'm definitely the kind of guy who prefers nothing more than just like sitting around just doing his own thing you know uh, main character very relatable in that sense uh and i wish i had a big tall husband who carried me everywhere but (laughs) it just it had a lot of really good situations too like every episode was about something that i thought was genuinely interesting and I don't know, just a just a great little slice of life show with a good premise and it's got great comedy and it's cute and what more can you ask for? And for like a year where I feel like comedy was pretty like dire, mm-hmm. like there weren't a ton of really good comedy shows this season, or like you know straightforward comedy that didn't have some kind of combination there. Yeah. So hearing that like Tanaka Kun is you know is good is like really nice. Is like oh you know well there are these other things that you know you you can watch. There's there's something that came out of this in a genre that we didn't end up covering a lot of just because. There, there weren't as many good comedies. Yeah. Well, so we definitely have different ones for this one. I, I can, all, yes. I can one hundred percent guarantee it. Uh, so my winner for best light anime is Planetarian. Um, it's just it, <laughs> it made me feel things. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, like, so, uh, yeah, I think I think the thing that stands out before any of this is like the way it made me feel emotional was different than any of the other shows this year. Like, Natsume sort of hit that, but Planetarian was like step to step sort of like this um this this real emotional powerhouse i felt and this the the main you know one of the main characters is a robot with like very basic ai but you still get this idea that there's some sort of like critical thinking in there there's still mm -hmm. a sense of wonder in there that really plays into the the development of the other main character i don't even think it's named but like it's <laughs> it just it plays on this this cast so well and nothing has felt more relatable than um, the the moment where the the army guy talks to this this robot girl and just says, "Are you busted or something?" And she just goes, "No, but I am malfunctioning slightly." Nothing else has felt more relatable as a character oh, damn. than this robot just saying, "Yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a little bit broken, but I'm still working as intended." What was that one picture where it's like? Um... It's a vending machine. Oh, the vending machine. And the light. The, uh, the lights are the off, light but is, I still work. Yeah, the lights inside are dead, but I still work. Yeah, something like, like like that. Dead. That's the sort of feeling I got, but then uh, it got very sad. No. Oh. But you know, it it does it does a good job of making you feel sad for for a robot and like ultimately like playing into a lot of good emotional core stuff. All right. What about you? Uh, for me, it's gotta be Tanaka-kun is always listless, because there is no show this year that played to my wavelength quite like this show did. And I think for a light show, that's the best you can hope for. For it to just be what you wanted it to be. And Tanaka-kun was definitely that. Uh -huh. And it wasn't even necessarily what I what I was expecting, because I was, I was definitely not expecting as much of a kind of out-there, sort of silly, weird comedy. Um... But I'm glad that it was that, because I ended up really, really loving it. And that's it. Okay, that's our awards show for this year. We're running a little long, so we will record something separate to kind of go over how some like bigger community polls compared to us. And some of you guys, uh, our listeners, have sent in some top lists that we can talk about. And we'll get back to you, but I think this has been good. Uh, I think this was, like, a good year for anime, but I don't know if I feel as strongly about it as I did from last year. Yeah. I'm a big believer in the uh, the five-star rating system. Just one, hmm. two, three, four, five, no half-stars or anything. And I think there was no five-star anime this year. And last year there was one with Death Parade. And we got a good number of four-star shows, maybe? Like, you know... All the ones we mentioned for best anime, but definitely no like big hitter that I want to stay important and to stay influential in on the anime industry as a whole. The only thing I want is for people to fucking watch Planetarium. Well, there you go. People get to it. That includes me. But uh, yeah, I like there are there are some standouts. There are definitely things that I could go and be like, oh, I could recommend this to a general person and stuff like that. But nothing that like I don't know grabbed me in the same way as some of the ones last year. Yeah. Or not as many, I guess. But still a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it wasn't a bad year for sure. No, absolutely not. I'm happy to see how next year turns out. Me too. We'll find that out. Well, not next time. Next time, we have our second single-serving show coming up. And it's gonna be a... It's a real treat. 
you'll get to hear us talk about a little uh, show you may have heard of called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Here it's very popular in Japan. Yes. Uh, for that, we will be watching the original TV series and End of Evangelion to get the full story, I guess. Yes. And so you can look forward to next time, we're going to talk about that and analyze it. Yeah, we're going to drop the real important anime opinions next time. If you want, you can send your own Evangelion opinions to chorpsawaysa at gmail.com. That's C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read them at the end if we have time. Well. But until then, check us out at CocoDisaster.com. That's where you can find all the links that I usually talk about. But again, we're running out of time. So just go there <laughs> and check it out. We're cool. Uh, follow us on Twitter and iTunes and Instagram. It's great. Uh, I've been Chorps Away. I've been Jordan. And here's to another great year of anime and Coco Disaster. See you guys next time. Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>